is. Oh my god. Where on though? Oh, Robbie, you want me to put Robbie Williams? everyone and welcome to episode 3 of Down the Robbie Hole, the podcast where we explore Robbie Williams' discography and find out just why he is the strangest figure in British pop music. I'm Matthew. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Nathan. And today we'll be looking at his 2000 album, Sing When You're Winning. Now, me and John, we explore the background of the Robbie Williams albums, we look into the context, we look into the strange stuff he was getting up to at the time and the making of the songs, but Nathan is only allowed to listen to the music, watch the videos and read the lyrics. Uh, so an interesting thing about this episode is that we will be talking about Rock DJ, which obviously has a very infamous music video that Nathan has never seen. So we will have him live react to the video on this episode because how could we not if he hasn't seen it? Yeah, I I have no idea what's coming. Um, we were speaking about this before. I'm really scared that I have seen it and have forgotten. But if it's as infamous as what we're saying. Then hopefully I've avoided it. I don't know why I ever would have listened to it. Let's let's put it that way. Mm. Like I, I I think the song's good, but it's not something I would have looked up. And if I listened to it, it wouldn't have been on YouTube. So why would I have seen the video? You know, I just I'm excited for it. Let's let's put it that way. It's been it's been something I've been looking forward to now for a couple of days since you've told me I've been able to do it. So we'll find out when we get to that track. Yeah. First off, before we go through the tracks, it's time for cover talk. Yeah. Oh, this kicks it's ass! Amazing. This yeah, kicks it's so ass, good. man. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> worth pointing out as well that the current version on Spotify has the album name and mm. artist on it. When it was first issued, it didn't. It was a textless cover, which I oh. love. I think it's great. Yeah. And also, I think okay. So explain the album cover. It's it's oh, a football team of Robbies holding up Robbie, holding a big trophy as if they've just won the World Cup, and it's just a whole bunch of Robbies, like different football players, all like. It's it's just great. It's like Robbie yeah. celebrating with other Robbies who are celebrating. It's good. Uh, it, there's no other way to describe, it, but it's a good cover. Yeah. Like yeah, especially textless. I didn't know it was textless. Mm-hmm. That is that is a that is a cool move to pull. That is that is confidence that it's there. And it's in the middle of like a football stadium. Yeah. And the album title as well, "Sing When You're Winning." That that also kicks ass. I yeah. Think. Yeah. It, I mean, normally sang is an insult at football games at the other team, but really sort of sums up Robbie. I think. I think it feels like it has a kind of victory lap kind of feeling of it. Yeah. And I think <clears throat> coming off the success of his last album, uh, I've been expecting you. Uh, this one, I, I feel like it's a perfect start for the album because there's a real confidence. I feel mm-hmm. it comes through. Yeah. In Robbie's performance. I really feel like as well. We spoke a lot, a lot last week about him trying to break America, mm. and I'm wrong because I don't. I might be wrong because I don't know the context. But you cannot have in the early two thousands a football slash soccer related front cover called sing when you're winning if you're trying to break america mm-hmm. like that isn't going to work maybe now america's really grown on what they would call soccer obviously but in the the early 2000s like they, there just wasn't a presence there so it would be such a strange decision to market this way it's worth pointing out this album actually was released in america it was only his second album because obviously yeah last week we talked about how there was a compilation of his first two albums and it didn't make any impact so. yeah surprisingly yeah. it's just not even slightly marketed and I have some more on that maybe mm. later I just love as well there's like a little RW patch like where his team is yeah, yeah. just everything That's, about this guy that actually um, becomes common merch for Robbie like he sells that oh, type wow. of shirt at all of his shows That's, yeah. that'd, 
I would I would own and wear that. Yeah, actually, yeah. that looks kind of cool. I, I I like that a lot. Yeah, I think a lot of band merch can be terrible, but like that looks pretty it's nice. understated enough. It's yeah, exactly. Like, That's the big thing with brand merch. Is like I want to wear something that I know is for the band, and you don't know is for the band because mm. you don't follow the band, but you are a fan mm. of the band, so you do. Like I want you to be in on it, but no one else. That's kind of what like the ideal thing is, and like an RW with a nice blue shirt, like. No one's going to know what that is. I, I do think those shirts also have like a big eight and it says Robbie on the back. Which ah. makes it oh, okay. Well, no, that yeah. Means, yeah, I think people might understand. <laughs> Maybe they just think my name's Robbie. So it's, it's like a proper football kit yeah. almost. <laughs> I just, do you know what sort of material it is or not? I assume. I don't know. No. I've just... I just a wondered... common thing I like to do is search things on eBay to see what comes up. And I've seen that shirt pop up a few times. Fair enough. I was really just ones. wondering if it was like football shirt material or like cotton t-shirt material. I'd be really interested. Oh, there is wow. also something I wanted to buy, but it's too expensive, so I didn't do it. I was gonna, if it was cheap enough, I would buy and bring it on to surprise you. But they made dolls of all the Take That members. What? Back in the nineties, when Take That were a thing, so you can buy Robbie Williams dolls. And there <laughs> was a box one. On, there was a box one on eBay that was forty pounds, and I'm not spending that much on a Robbie Williams doll. Uh, yeah. it also, it doesn't look especially like him, just oh, because okay. it's it's like a Barbie style doll kind of thing. Well, you Ken might be doll. getting that for Christmas from me. Then. <laughs> Does he have channels? <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, we've all seen his dong in cartoon form, so now we need to see it in well, doll form. Well, yes. In fact, yeah. since um, since we're on to that, I'll just clarify, sadly, not football shirt material, standard cotton kind of oh, stuff. okay. But since you mentioned his dong in cartoon form, I think it's only right we jump into the first track, Let Love Be Your Energy. Yeah. Yeah. I? So, obviously, I just listen to the songs first. I don't see the videos. So I was like, this is a pretty standard thing, you know. I like nice. it a lot, yeah. The guitar is a lot heavier than we've heard from before from Robbie, which was nice. And like, I don't mean it's heavy metal, I just mean it was much more closer to rock than it was to the sort of softer stuff we've heard before, the more sort of pop rock. I, um, I also wrote this, which is kind of interesting. I wrote, is he a good songwriter at all? Because the first verse is terrible. Like, it's actively really bad lyric writing. If I could just talk about the opening line for a second, I love it. It's, out of a million seeds, only the strongest one breathes, and then it's something like, Mother, you made a miracle. Yeah. Um, it's not a very charitable reading, but I like that he opens the album essentially by saying, I was a really good sperm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the, the choruses are great. I really like the chorus. so often mm. he breaks down in the verse. Which is so interesting that then five tracks later, I need to find which track is on. I'm jumping ahead here. He says, so then like five, six tracks later in um, Sing for the Lonely or something like that it's called. He actually has a line about how his life, he's describing his life for a metaphor mm. about how his choruses are always great, but his verses suck. I think what he means is he has real high points in his life, his performances, but like his time away from this, the stage is really not where he wants to be in a personal life right now. But it's crazy that like he just admitted his biggest flaw as an artist, like on a track in a metaphor. Mm. Like he is such a good chorus writer, but I feel so often he just lets his verses really slip away and go to a really boring, basic like lines that just I don't feel are effective. It's like on Let Love Be Your Energy, I, I honestly really. It's an, a track that I actually listen to like on my own. Like, yeah, I, I like the song. That's, like, this is not to detract. I do yeah, like yeah. the song. Yeah. But like, even considering that, 
I, I, the verse melody is essentially unrememberable. It, but it, it, it's really basic rhyming patterns that just aren't interesting and don't mean anything. And like I know you don't come to pop music for for the lyrics, and that's just not really why you're there most of the time. You are there for the big horse choruses. The and big what? The big horse. <laughs> you are there for the big choruses and hooks. Like that's what you're interested in. But. I feel like they're really subpar at times. And this is not to say all of them, but I feel like a lot, and we've mentioned it before, really subpar writing at times. His first album, like we've said before, but it's really, not a lot of it scans, it just sort of washes over you, not a lot of it sticks, like in terms yeah. of melody-wise. But one thing I really liked melodically in this one, the main thing that I liked in this was the instrumental stuff. There's such a wide variety yeah. of stuff going on. I've always felt that about his music, though. Even the second album, I felt he's, his musical composition, which I don't think is a lot of him, I think it's... A lot of his producer guy. I don't want to take the credit away, but I imagine that's sort of the dynamic. It's it's from what I've read, a lot of it is kind of fifty fifty, but especially Robbie comes up with the vocal melodies and like one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree that that's. But and then I think Guy is more focused on the instrumentation, yeah, and that sort of stuff, which is fine. That's kind of the dynamic you would expect. I mean, that's kind of how all music is written, really, isn't it? Even in a band, you know, there will be people who are more focused on lyrics and vocal melodies, and then those who are more focused on songwriting, and that's fine. But I, I think some of his songwriting stuff is, like, as in the musical stuff, is brilliant at times, especially for, like, a quote-unquote pop artist. Like, there's so much exploration there, and there's a real willingness to do things that I didn't even expect him to do. And even as we spoke about the first album being a, a quote-unquote Oasis rip-off, yeah. the instrumentation is still good. Like Yeah, the wall of guitar stuff. Yeah, it's good. good. I, I think the second album was great for its musical exploration as well. Again, I just feel like the one... Th- I feel like he's one crutch away. Just spend another draft on them <laughs> verses. Like, just take another ten minutes and really focus on them. I actually think this song is kind of an outlier in this album in that regard. I think overall this album is like really improved in terms of lyricism, and we'll get to that on later tracks. Uh, but this one, I do agree. I also noted that it just needed a few more drafts yeah this song i'm not massively enthusiastic about i do think it's a good chorus and it did grow on me in like the five or six times i listened to the album but it kind of my first impression was it kind of gave me the lord Greenlight syndrome kind of thing where it just feels really disjointed like there are individual sections of the song that could be good in another song but they don't necessarily go together well yeah i do like one part that does bridge them it's the part of the instrumental cuts out and he says like uh i don't know like and if you won't talk to me, then I'll say goodbye. And yeah. then this massive, like, yeah, all the guitars comes in. I, wonder, I love that. Your Lord points just really. Does he perform this live? I've seen him, yeah, there's videos of him yeah. performing that live. Does it, right. The, the big thing for me, right, is I don't like Greenlight's studio recording at all. And it's nothing to do with the sound or anything. I just don't think the song flows very well. Mm. When she performs it live, when I saw her, it's brilliant. It's like one of her best songs live. It's incredible the audience like and the way like everyone gets in on the energy and it does sort of weirdly build nicely to that end final point live so i wonder if this has a similar feeling where like the live version is so much more superior because the disjointedness gets lost in the like energy of the crowd yeah i can imagine that i I do think though that all the little like i think this is another thing that comes up across the album like more is that in the previous album, it felt like everything was built around Robbie's vocal melodies. Yeah. While here, there's a lot more little audio trinkets going around. I agree it's with like, that completely. It's a really layered... It feels almost like a kind of... Kind of... Sometimes verging on, like, Sample Delica, like, using a bunch of different sound sources to create this, like, real 
like, interesting combination. Like, there's a piano part. It sounds kind of like a piano. It might be like an organ, but it sounds like something that the Beatles were doing in the 60s, which is alongside a very turn-of-the-2000s um, electronic drum beat. And on top of that, you've got this gigantic chugging, like, in 90s indie guitar thing in the chorus. Yeah, and, yeah. But I... I kind of like the way it comes together, but I would say that, like I said, I think we should say the chorus, the main chorus lyric, which is, if you're willing to change the world, let love be your energy, which is awful. <laughs> it's so bad as a lyric. It means nothing. And I think it's especially weird coming from Robbie Williams, whose perspective pretty much is always very, like, self-oriented and stuff. Yeah. And to do such, like, a gigantic hippie sentiment doesn't really feel like him. Yeah. Oh, one thing I did really like, though, there's, like, a break... I was like a darker little instrumental part that, that when I yeah. first heard that I was like okay this album's taking a bit of a turn this is going to be something else oh one thing also that we should say is that uh, me and John despite the fact that we have like we know quite a bit about where the Robbie trajectory is going to go we're not like Robbie super fans and we haven't yeah. like heard all his stuff beforehand so there is stuff here that we will be listening to for the first time but when I first heard this part that's like an actual bridge not the fake bridge in the track Strong from the yeah. previous album when it's the actual bridge it has this little instrumental break that's like really dark sounding and working on like reverse strings and it, it it really makes you feel like okay Robbie's actually letting the instrumental part take center stage for a bit which in terms of song structure really felt like a step forward for him compared to his previous stuff and I can it, agree with that yeah yeah for sure got anything else on this one no so well, this was chosen as the fourth single for the album uh, so it came out in April 2001 didn't do especially well it went to number 10 in the charts uh, but it did get a music video, obviously. Yes, it did. Yeah, yeah. Do we want to do that now, or are we going to do them at the end? I said we do it now. Yeah, I think I yeah. can, like... So, um, I was watching this, and I'd never seen this either. And uh, I was like, oh, cool, it's uh, cartoony. And I, I take notes while I watch this stuff, because... Um, uh, you know, I only, I only have enough time to see it, maybe watch it once or twice, and I just want stuff to remind myself of what I thought at the time. And uh, the opening of a couple of minutes, like, it was like 20 seconds of the video, I wrote, oh, gorillas, lol. Like, just like cartoony sort of time. So around the same sort of time as gorillas really building up, I was like, oh, it's just going to be sort of a rip-off spoof of that. And then he fucks someone. <laughs> and I didn't know where to go with it. I've never been more confused. <laughs> Other thing that's really important to note is he looks so fucking creepy through this whole video. Like his face it's, is a CGI render. Is, is like it looks not. nothing like him. Really. <laughs> yeah, it does look like a generic character model. Yeah. I, I could it's never. So it's really terribly animated. It's very ugly animation. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, yeah, it is. Right, it's badly animated. It doesn't look like him. Mm. Let's just move on because <laughs> what the fuck is going on in the video? So to recap. It starts off with CJ Robbie just sort of running around. He's running. Yeah. And I was like, cool, he's just going to run about and he's going to like run through the wild and he's going to see things that lets love be his energy. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's going through different landscapes, mountains, forests and stuff. And then he stumbles upon a naked woman in a forest and then he gets naked and they have sex in the forest. And you, you can you, you can see everything. It's CGI. Yeah. Yeah, no, 2000 like, CGI. Did this get played on TV? Like, surely not. Yeah, interestingly, can actually. you play this on TV? I I put a message in our group chat saying, "Why am I watching like <laughs> cartoon porn here? Like, what is happening?" You messaged that like before like, a couple times too. Like. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like why is this happening just in my general life? Can anyone help? But yeah, but, like, for sure. He um, I was watching an interview. I was watching an interview that I want to come back to later uh, with this um German interviewer um called well she's British German but called uh, Charlotte Roch. 
and she has a show called Fast Forward uh, in 2000, and he did an interview there in 2000 that we're going to come back to later because there's a lot there, but um, <laughs> she asks him, like, essentially, what do you feel about censorship of videos? Do you worry that, you know, your videos might get banned? And his whole thing was like, well, I think it's fundamentally good. I think, you know, the more you censor something, the more people want to see it. And then she says this line, well, to be fair, it did work. Like, in the yeah. 80s, like, yeah, no, Duran Duran with girls on film. We spoke about this because Take That tried this. Oh, yeah. With the mm-hmm. weird, creamy video. Yeah. <laughs> but now Robbie's big enough that it's not just a random creamy video you'd find in the bin. Yeah. This is like a proper CGI thing that you'd... You'd get this on the CD. So you'd put the CD in your computer and you could access the video. Okay. But um, basically, okay. he said that he, he's actually... She said, like, is what do you think about censorship? I, do you think it's bad or good? And he said, I think it's bad for you. I think it's good for me. But then there's this really great line where she says, what if you want to rent a video and you couldn't get it? And he said... I can. (laughs) Fair enough. I mean, it's Robbie Williams in 2000. He can. (laughs) Yeah, good point. Fair enough, Robbie. That's good for you. So then, the weird thing about the video is, in the opening 30 seconds, he fucks someone in a forest. And then for the next three minutes, it's actually reasonably normal. Like, he's running after people in cities, and, like, I, you know, he sits on a couch with another girl, and, like, takeaway bills up around them. And then he sees another girl and runs after her and they just hug. And then again, it gets weird and he chases someone through a city where he runs through barbed wire and stuff and then runs up a mountain. And as they get to the top of the mountain, they both strip off and then run round and you just see his flappy dong. (laughs) You see his cartoon flappy dong flap about and then go in her. The way I love that they animated it is that like they run up to the top of this mountain and his floppy CGI penis flops up at a perfect angle he picks her up and just slots her onto it yeah he gets erect mid pick up <laughs> it's fantastic I, I don't if you haven't seen it and you listen to this just go and watch it because our words just aren't doing it justice like it's ridiculously fucking weird it's it's just a baffling choice for the song as well because the yeah. song just doesn't feel sexual in any way no and this is something I wrote later like I, 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 I'll bring it up again when I wrote it but like he's really gone horny on Maine <laughs> like he really just doesn't care anymore there is so much horniness in all of this surrounding con- like album the videos everything about it that I've seen the man has gone horny on Maine he's gone off the alt account and he needs to stop. Go back to the old account. That's what I love about this album too, because the previous one didn't give us much in the way of like Robbie's sexual weirdness, which yeah. was a big thing on the first. But in this one, from the first video, we have this amazing example of just it's not it's it's not like it it, it just fundamentally I think the key thing about Robbie's sexual weirdness, which is uh, RSW and is recognised as a disease by um the World Health Organization. The thing about it is it's inserting sexuality into places where, quite frankly, it has no business being. Yeah. These CGI running people, we don't need to see them have sex. We get... Oh, God, somebody is absolutely jacked off to that video. Yeah. That is horrible. 100%. When you said you could put the CD in your computer, I laughed. Oh, God. I was like, yeah, I wonder what people were doing with that. Especially in, like, the early 2000s <laughs> where, like, it's not accessible. Like... Well, if you put the CD into your computer as well... You well, I was just going to say one more thing, just based on what you said. Uh, there was a quote I saw somewhere online, I don't know if it was from Robbie himself, but it was like talking about a description of the video, and it just said it was a video about Robbie looking for love. Hmm. Which, I think, speaks to that Robbie sexual weirdness, that obviously that was where like a core video idea came from, and it somehow turned into this. Like, of course, under Robbie it would have to look <laughs> like this. Yeah, it's... 
Incredible. I love that, like, Robbie finding love essentially just means him inserting himself into a woman like a wee nunchuck into a wee remote. <laughs> just... It, it, but, like, the way you insert it is you threw the wee remote yeah, in the air, like, and as it fell down, you shoved the nunchuck connector in and perfectly timed it. Like, that is the equivalent of what he did. But like, we can't recommend this video enough. Like, yeah, that final action is it. worth it for the whole thing. Yeah. But, if, if you don't want to watch it, just skip the middle two minutes. Like, watch the first minute and the third minute onwards. You can miss the middle bit. But, like, it is fucking incredible. Should we Should we just jump on? Well, there is one last thing oh, about okay. that video I want to talk about. If you put that CD into computer, you could get some CGI outtakes. Yeah, so like how in Pixar movies they would have bloopers that they've obviously just made to be funny. There are bloopers for <laughs> So there is video. a Pixar-style credits blooper It's, it's not reel. credits, but there is a blooper reel, yes. Why? Um, I don't, it's unexplainable. I, Why? I feel like if I show it to you, it won't be like as conveyable to the audience. So I really mm. want to describe what's on there, right? There's a couple things of him on a treadmill, and then, whoa, it went too fast, he splats against the window, ha ha ha. Yeah, I mean, that's like how he smashes through the window at yeah. one point, but instead he splats, okay. But then there's also, uh, they get a lot of mileage out of the CGI penis. Mm -hmm. They really do. There's a shot of him standing completely naked next to, like, an actor's chair that says Robbie, all CGI still, and, like, sort of, like, puffing out his chest and, like, showing off to two of the women from the video, like, the CGI ones walking past him, and they sort of laugh and make, like, a small penis gesture yeah, with their he's fingers. Yeah, he's in the icy environment during that shot, so I think uh, the idea is that it's so cold that he shriveled up. Yeah. And these two women walk past, make the small thing, and make fun of him for it. Which, I... There's no good explanation for why that video exists. But it gets... It gets better. There's multiple takes. They decide to do multiple animated bloopers for that final shot where he throws her up and slots on. There's one where he picks her up and accidentally throws her off the mountain and she, I guess, dies. dies. <laughs> there's, there's not one like that. There are several. I feel like there are two or three shots oh, yeah, yeah. where he just throws her off and <laughs> it goes back to it. It happens multiple times. Uh, there are two of my favorite. There's one where she goes up, she falls, grabs onto him by his penis, and drags him down the mountain as he screams. And oh, there's one more where it's that shot. Um, it's not the, the, the other one. Uh, it's the, um, oh, oh god, yeah, yeah, I remember. There's one where she jumps up, she's about to slot onto him, but he gets so hard that he projectile, like, boing, fires her off the mountain, and she dies again. I forgot about that, you're right, yeah, there are lots of deaths. And then the final one is when it's a shot of him running towards the camera, like in the montage leading up to him get to the top of the mountain. He's fully erect and he smashes it, the lens of the camera, with his penis. The, the, they... <laughs> I don't know how many man-hours were dedicated to that. They're all made to the same standard as the actual video. Uh, right. So off-topic. But I get irrationally angry at blooper reels of anime and stuff like that. I actually really don't like them. Mm. It was good the first... It's really one of the things that was smart and funny the first time. But stop doing it. Okay? I mean, like, I feel like Robbie's kind of justifies them as a concept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. okay, all right, I'll make an exception here for Robbie, just because I want to see his CGI dong smash a camera that doesn't actually exist because it's CGI. They should do one, oh, they should do, they should do one at the end of Toy Story 5 where it's just Tom Hanks. I think, I think they should do That's that. That's getting cut, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want that in an episode. <laughs> Straight up. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, uh, now we're going on to track two, Better Man. I think this is a terrible track two. I don't know what... We've obviously spoken about the sequencing of the last two albums. Yeah. Um, not being great, I think this one's pretty bad in that regard. It's too well. slow. 
Yeah. I think genuinely uh, what sort of says that is that just before this, I was like, our next track, which I thought was Rock DJ, and in like writing like notes about this, I kept on thinking, Rock DJ is just a perfect track too. It is. I thought yeah. the exact same thing. It's yeah. insane that Rock yeah. DJ is on track two. Yes. It needs to be. The guitar in this sounds like Yellow, like Coldplay. It sounds exactly like Yellow Coldplay. Did it predate it? I don't know much about that. Uh, it would have been about the same time, because actually I was looking at some videos of Brit Awards for this year, and the music video for Yellow and the single Yellow were up against Rock DJ in all the awards. Oh, interesting. So, roughly the same time, I think. Yellow was released in 2000. Yeah. And this album was released in uh, yeah. August 2000. Yeah, 28th of August 2000, which is just under two years after the previous album. Yes. So he's still being very prolific. He's kind of not really taking a break at all. This has released on the 26th of June. However, that's the, probably the single. Um, it's from Parachute. So when was Parachute released? Uh, I, I've said that it's really like Yellow, but I think it's just coincidence because Yellow comes out. The earliest you could have heard Yellow was on Parachute's which comes out on July 2000. Ah, uh, yeah, he definitely recorded yeah. before that. So this, that just didn't happen. It is just interesting. It's not an incredibly complex thing. Like, there are other songs that sound like Yellow. It doesn't have the, you know, the electric bit, but I'm talking about the acoustic bit. Sounds remarkably like the acoustic bit from Yellow. I, I think, like, this track is... I think it's a good track. It's nothing too flashy, yeah. but the melody is really nice. It's... I agree. I, I like it, but yeah, you are right. It's just not a track. Actually, track five. I don't yeah. like this one. I think it's probably the worst track on the album for me. It's just oh. kind of, it's like Ed Sheeran, cool for me, kind of. Uh, so there is a quote about the writing of Better Man. Uh, Robbie said, so he was trying to write a song, and he said, if John Lennon's about, can you give me a song? Um, and he claims that he just started strumming and doing chords that he'd never done before. And this song magically came to him, and he sang almost all of it straight away and recorded it that night. Uh, and he said it made him cry a lot. So basically, the Ghost of John Lennon gave Robbie the song, apparently. Sweet. Why, nice move. Why did we say that like that was a normal thing to say? <laughs> like, why did you just say that like that wasn't the most insane words you've uttered today? It, I, I why, feel like it's... Why do writers say this shit? Because it isn't <laughs> true. Like, people don't sit in rooms and just instinctively sing things. I refuse to believe that. No, notion. that does happen. That, I just like... cannot understand... Like, that like like God only knows by the Beach Boys was written in like fifteen minutes to half an hour. That yeah, I just right, and the source on that is the Beach Boys. Though I just refuse to believe. Right, people sit and write songs in fifteen minutes like that. I think we had this exact same conversation the first. Yeah, time, you so. just yeah. believe that like they are the world's like greatest validity of source. But, but I'm not saying they're not. Right. Lie. You can't do it. <laughs> but I, one thing I would say is that. I, I don't get how, like, so many writers have been like, I guess the ghost of this person was just flowing through me. Like, so many do it, and we're all just like, okay, I, I guess. Yeah. Like, like Kendrick Lamar legitimately said he started his career because Tupac came to him in a dream and said, like, you're inheriting my legacy. Nobody talks about that because it's weird as hell. Yeah, Nobody... <laughs> it's just strange. Like, no, I don't like it. But yeah. So much of I mean, better man. <laughs> Please stop talking about Sermajor. I, I genuinely didn't mean to. <laughs> the ghost of Sermajor just <laughs> <laughs> but, but Better Man, I think quite nice melodically. Um, it was released a single as well in. Yeah, only in. It was another Australia, New Zealand, and I think just Latin America, maybe. Oh, I wonder why he tried to release in Australia. I can't yeah. think of anyone on this album who would have tried to help that market. Well, so it was the. Yeah. 
final single of the album, again only in those territories, in October 2001, so over a year after the album. That was just about two months before Swing came out as well, yep. so it was like completely end of album cycle stuff. I don't think, I didn't watch a Better Man video, did No, there wasn't nah, a video for it. Okay. Uh, okay, right. so now... We're here. So, Rock DJ, third track. Now, I know we spoke in the first episode about Angels, and we kind of said, you know, is th- this is it, right? We're not getting a better song than this. It's it, Right, it's between the two. It's yeah. Angels or Rock for, DJ. For me, Rock DJ is, is no question, my favourite Robbie Williams song. I think, you know, in many ways, it's kind of dated production-wise. It's obviously incredibly cheesy. His vocals may not be the best but kind of as soon as that instrumental kicks in at the beginning it's kind of just it just feels like Robbie Williams I wrote World's best opening question mark that doom 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 it's so good every time it gets you the other thing as well is there's a lot of really good pop songs that like until someone starts singing you can't be like what's you like what song is this it kind of sounds no the minute I hear doom 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 I know exactly what it fucking is like it's it's rock DJ and it's coming that's like a hallmark of like a good pop song. Like um, Max Martin, the guy who wrote pretty much every hip hop song of the two thousands, he said that one of the key things is that people need to recognize it within a second. Yeah. And like when it came to like making like Billy Jean, like Michael Jackson and what's his face, uh, Michael Jackson and Quentin. This guy. Quentin Tarantino. Miller. <laughs> nah. Uh, Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones. When it came to making Billy Jean, like Michael Jackson, Quincy Jones, like did I think over a hundred versions just to get that opening drum sound, something that had never been heard before. So you could instantly be like, okay, dun, 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 yeah. Dun. And with this, that opening, dun, 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 I mean, like you beautiful. can think of great pop songs that are hard to tell apart, like the classic one. I mean, like, I guess you could argue maybe the sound from each other, but like uh, Abba and Madonna, like you cannot tell them two songs apart well, I mean, until you just, hear them. I think the sampling, like, is yeah. kind of oh, well, sampling. We yeah, we'll get into this album. But yeah, I also. I also wrote, is Robbie Williams DJ Khaled? He says, give no head, no backstage yeah, passes. I, I, I made a note. I think, it, I think it's funny that the previous track is talking about how he wants to be a better man, then immediately it's give no head, no yeah. backstage passes. Also, so, like, it's, it's, that absolutely, I'm not even saying this in the, oh, I can't believe you couldn't do that today. No, there's a very good reason why you couldn't say today, if you don't give me a blowjob, you're not getting in backstage. You couldn't yeah. do that nowadays. Yeah. And there's also the part oh, where... I'm, oh, I've just realised what he means. I thought he meant he gives no head. Like DJ Khaled style, like, I don't go down on my wife, like, thing. I now understand what he means. Like, he will only he will only exchange backstage passes for head. I now understand. Sorry. Well, actually, John, later on, you've got some stuff regarding Nathan's query right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. I cannot wait to hear how... He, I cannot wait to hear about another one, shall we say. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> it's also the only track I've heard so far that implies that Robbie Williams is involved in sex trafficking. Where he, during the bridge talks about pimping ain't easy, most of yeah. them fleece me. Why, Why is that there? Yeah, I know. Right. The, the thing is, though, it does get stuck in your head. I couldn't not sing it while I was listening to it, <laughs> and I am the world's worst singer, so, you know, I do enjoy it. But when I was writing my notes about it, the first thing that came to me was lyrical nightmare. Like, the lyrics on this are, like, Beyond regular grade bad, they're yeah, like. But, but the thing is, they work. It's yeah, fun. Like the thing is, they, they, I don't want to be that the person like it's so bad, it's good. But like it really yeah. is. Like, like Houston, can you hear me? Ground control, can you feel me? I need permission to land. Is terrible. But my god, do I want to fucking sing it as loud as I can? <laughs> like it's so bad, but it's been stuck in my head for two days now. I listened to Rock DJ before you guys turned up today while I was waiting because I was like. I just want to hear it again. Yeah, like, I listened to it on the way here. Yeah, it's well. a good song. Like, yeah. there is no argument. I think right? part of what excuses the lyrics as well is 
it's such a confident song. Like I feel like it's yeah. probably the level of you know swagger that we haven't seen from him yet, which is saying something for Robbie Williams. Yeah, it's it, kind of so. It really confident. is. I mean, we spoke a lot about how like "Let Me Entertain You" is his mission statement in the first episode. But like this is like real prime Robin mission statement as well. Like yeah. I'm so confident I'm gonna sing this like this. I I'm gonna rock DJ. Like to me this like feels this whole album feels like it's the end of Robbie sort of trying stuff, pick and mix, and to figure out what he wants to be. This is like Robbie crystallized, and even yeah. in the Britpop stuff is pretty much gone from this album. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it does no, exist. No yeah. Oasis, no like yeah. it's just like solid. This is the sound. Like when we listened to this first album, we were surprised at the sound of it. I don't think anyone familiar with Robbie's outcome from the past like 10, 15 years would be at all surprised to hear this. This, this is what I like expected Robbie. the first album to sound like. Yeah. 100% like, without question. Um, it's nice to see him finding his own style, which we spoke about last week we didn't think he'd found yet. But, but this, here, this week we moved to it. It's like fully there. Yeah. And as well with his vocal performances um, throughout the album as well, he, he really kicks it. He doesn't, like if you look at something like No Regrets, he kind of shies away. There's a bit of a hesitancy yeah. here. But he goes for it on this. Throughout. I mean, we're going to talk about it later, but he re- he's really quite good on Swing Way winning. I think he's pretty good at times. Honestly, like, yeah. He's, his vocal he's delivering performances really, are really... Especially someone who's got a bit of like notoriety like to maybe not having the best vocals. People like, do say like yeah. People, he's... there's a real narrative around Robbie that like he's not the best singer, but he is the best performer, and like that's fine. That's a nice, that's a fine thing to have at you. And I don't think he is the best singer, but like he's a very accomplished vocalist. Like he's good. Mm. Like there's there's no question. The vo- the the chorus, mel- the melodies throughout Rock DJ are insanely mm. sticky. Yeah, like, yeah. I think there's the the sort of the classic is it's time to move your bad day. That yeah. is just joy. Yeah, it is so yeah exactly and like. You're right as well. Like you've you've nailed the like the impression there. That's exactly how he says it. And as you're saying, it, it's such a confidence trip. Like, it, you know, it's it's right there. It's right what you want to hear at that moment. Right before we go into it, and yeah. like, yeah, it, it's so good. Like, I, I haven't been on nights out when this song comes on. It's good as long as you embrace the cheesy pop of it, which is you know quite an easy thing to do while you're on a night out. But it's. It's that's there. That is what it's for. I just want to talk about like two lyrics and just as an aside, that it's time to move your body thing. It's really fun to sing that melody while substituting other words. My favorite that I found so far is it's time to wipe your body, which is really good to do. But um, my some of my favorite two lines in this track are I just I'm in love with this line. The boys getting high and the girls even yeah. more so. It's yeah. like, the use of more so is very funny. Oh, yeah, so you think it's going to be so and the girls getting low, but it's like more. Every time you hear that, you're getting swept, yeah. you're getting like the rugs pulled from under you. It's absolutely perfect. And it's like so early in the song. I feel it's, first it's the first. second it's line. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's so good. This, this song, it, it really is up there with a perfect song for like club atmosphere, mm. like on a night out. If if you're willing to embrace the cheesiness of it and like the other line I think like works really well is is there's just something like even though it does have kind of like a sport shagging connotation to it the line like if you can't get a girl but your best friend can it's time to move your body yeah. that's just a song to like get onto the dance that line yeah. itself is motivation exactly it's like get out there like that, that's how you do it and like yeah it's just yeah mm. again like that's, that's the confidence of it like Robbie's like, if you just get out and dance, you will be so unbelievably attractive that everyone will fall over you. It's like that Jim Carrey thing of like, if you project enough confidence at the start, everyone's going to sort of feel a bit more confident by association. Exactly. This song is so projects so much confidence. Yeah. Let, let's let's have a hot take here. Good song. 
Yeah. Yes. Good song. Yeah. Good song. So this is the lead single for the album. Yeah. It's the first wow. one he releases from it. I bet that was a long board meeting to decide <laughs> that, wasn't it? July thirty first, two thousand. It comes out. It's about two months before the album, and it's his third number one single. Goes straight to number one. Also, it's number one in New Zealand, Mexico, and Argentina. So he's really starting to gain traction in Latin America with this album. Uh, it is one of his biggest international singles. It's sort of four million copies worldwide. Uh, again, doesn't really do anything in America though. Um, and this does also win best single and best video at the 2001 Brit Awards, which is the third year in a row he wins both of those awards. Wow. So he just completely dominated what the Brits for three years in a row. Best single. Uh, so, like I say, Yellow was definitely also nominated. Um, I think Pure Shores by All Saints. So he was up against. Oh wow. Disney as history. I'm not sure. Yeah, he dated yeah. Nicole yeah. 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 I think there's a Fatboy Slim song in there, maybe. Okay. Oh, yeah. would that be Praise You? No, it could be Praise You, actually, because that was a Spike Jones video. That one was Praise You is, is better than this, but other than that, I'd say it should have won. I mean, there's so many great Fatboy Slim videos, like right here, right now. With no, I don't mean video, I'm about just like actual singles. Oh, yeah, I, I think I Praise really You like is that. a better song than I this. think Fatboy Slim's like a massively underrated use of, of samples. Like, people discard him oh, because he's pop. It's I think so. Fat, I, yeah, I love Fatboy Slim. Mm-hmm. Like, Unless we haven't got yeah. enough time to do a Fat Boys yeah. Day podcast. Catch us next month doing that. Um, <laughs> so, is it video time? Yeah, I, I think, think it's about so. time. Yeah. So, so, you want me to put some headphones in and watch it? Yeah. While you're doing that, there's just one little thing before we get into this that I want to say. I think peak Robbie sexual weirdness on this album comes in the line, I've got the gift, gonna stick it in the goal. Yeah. Which is the most <laughs> profoundly unsexy thing ever. Yeah. It's like worse than saying, let's bump uglies. Like, it's horrible. <laughs> Okay, uh, now for this part, we're finally going to show Nathan the Rock DJ music video by Robbie Williams. This is his first time seeing it, and we'll be able to hear his live reactions as he listens to it in headphones. Uh, we'll maybe cut out the highlights and whatnot, but oh. yep, I'll just set it to maximum quality. Oh, what a lovely time it is to be. No, I don't want to subscribe to Robbie Williams. I think it'll Please be very easy to find his videos. fucking Robbie Williams. <laughs> I get in my recommended re- my recommended videos now, because I can... Yeah, my recommended yeah, videos. Yeah, I just like watch the videos, obviously. It's like, ugh. <laughs> I'm actually yours are worse because you watch interviews and stuff as yeah. well. Yeah. All right, All right, here you go. Okay. It's time for me to enjoy Rock DJ. Pretty normal so far, I think. It reminds me, I think, of the Sugar Babes video. It's got a shiny early 2000s aesthetic. It's good. It's a good video. All right, second verse time. Let's have it. Oh, yes. Take it off, Robbie. Go on. Is it gonna strip even more? Like, is this what's coming? Yep, yeah, he is. (laughs) I feel like I know what's coming and I think I'm ready for it, but I don't know if you can ever really be ready for it. It's got El Tigre on the boxes as well. Yeah, here we go. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's blood. <laughs> and now, it... oh, they're nodding in approval. <laughs> what? <the fuck>? <laughs> <laughs> What is happening? 
actually horrifying. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh, the DJ's finally come down. <laughs> No, Robbie's behind you in the making of this video. Right. <laughs> right. So, I was really getting... Right. There's been a lot of pressure here. Okay. Because you guys have been telling me how good this is. And I was like, there's high expectations now. And I've been told it's weird. So, I was really worried that I'd watch it and just be like, oh, I think this is pretty normal. Like, I don't think this is that bad. And I was really getting to that point. Like, it lulled me in. Even though I knew something weird was coming... I had been lulled into a sense of security that this was just going to be, oh, he's just going to strip and his dick's going to be out, all right? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's fucking weird, but, like, it's manageable weird. <laughs> so if you haven't seen it, before we go on, just go and watch it, okay? Um, and just try and really lull yourself into that sense of security. He then strips off his skin. <laughs> yeah, so the conceit of the video, he's in, like, a roller rink. There's loads of girls yeah. going around him. He's dancing to try and get their attention, specifically the DJ. Who's yeah, like up in a booth yeah, yeah, yeah. Songs. Yeah, so I was like, this is pretty normal. Like, I can manage this. And I was like, he's going to dance around, he's going to strip. I thought there was going to be a small dick joke when they like looked at him. I was like, oh, it's funny. It's kind of, this has sort of got similar vibes to the uh, the, the energy video. Um, but, my word, you know, <laughs> what, could, what could prepare you for that? You could have told me that was coming and I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> Like, he fully... It, it's actively horrifying points. <laughs> What's the, like, um, classic villain that, like, looks like that? I can't... Not villain, like, monster. Like, you can see all his, like, skin. Is it maybe in, um... He looks kind of like one of the Titans in Attack on Titan. Yeah, he looks like one of those. Is it Verhoeven's Invisible Man where you see, like, his, um... <clears throat> like, actual skin and stuff? I feel like it might it be. It might be, yeah. I feel like I in Paul that. Verhoeven's, like, Invisible Man, like, you see, like, his muscle architecture and stuff at some point when he's, like, turning invisible because, like, they just sort of got CGI to be able to do that. That is actively horrifying at points as well. Like, you see him pull his own heart out, which is... Obviously, <laughs> obviously doesn't pull his own heart out. It also looks pretty good like practical yeah. effect yeah. wise like it looks all right the bone stuff is obviously cgi and looks mm. a little worse but i mean you, you'd forgive it but like the actual practical stuff of him pulling stuff off mm. looks good like you couldn't tell he was wearing prosthetic in my opinion not in the quick shots it looks like like the part where he the, it's viscerally horrible to watch the part where he rips his own ass cheeks off because it looks so because <laughs> yeah. it looks yeah. so real yeah yeah it looks good like, it looks there really is, good there is like a 20 minute behind the scenes mm. documentary for this music okay. video which a lot of it is like showing him like getting the casting and everything yeah. done because it's full moulded in prosthetic but at the very end of it he's still wearing the skin suit and he goes out in public <laughs> dressed in it so a scene of him like just in a convenience store buying something <laughs> and the cashier guy's just like what the hell is going on <laughs> Even he stands by the road at night and like runs after cars when they're driving. Past. <laughs> Just imagine the Robbie Williams skin monster chasing you. It's like in these country roads where it's so dark. There's like grass and it's like just being chased by a, yeah, a monster. By a monster. <laughs> I'm just having to. Oh, oh, hold on. Oh, it's just Robbie Williams. Hold on. I've just got to rip my own arse cheeks off again. 
the bit where he rips his art cheeks off is it's too real is, is fantastic it, it, to me I watch that and it makes me I've never thought about what it feel like to rip your own arse cheeks off and that video forces you to confront it them. really upset me the way the women dance with the bits of him that he'd thrown at them so like I was kind of like whatever about like like I don't find like the skin suit horrifying or everything but then having like the meaty flesh on them like bloody I know it's not real I'm not stupid and then like licking it made me highly uncomfortable the documentary is really great because like they talk about how with all the roller girls they separate them to like four separate teams so they have like four aesthetics going on mixing with each other so have, like, yeah, yeah. a really diverse kind of look and there's this great part where Robbie really wants you to know that he likes women so like yeah. recurringly throughout it like at various points this is a documentary made of like you know various parts shot over the days of filming there are loads of parts just like ooh I'm liking this me ooh this is a really difficult shoot this ooh and he's like looking at all the girls around he's like ooh god this is a really stressful job this ooh ooh and it's just like it's it's like Matt, we get it, Robbie. You like to stick your gift in the goal. Like, <laughs> I, I will say, I think it's a genuinely like very funny performance he gives in it. Yeah, I think he's it's he's a really good. good comedic performance. He's like the um, timing is great. It also feels like a genuine extension of him. Like it's not forced or anything. Like it's no. just that is Robbie Williams. That's just right. who he is. Number one, he's incredibly fucking weird. Like it's obvious. Let's just move on past that. <coughs> it is a good video. I think it's yeah. incredibly. It's, a good it's video. very well directed as well. I think the set design, having it be circular, yeah. and then like the constant panning camera around it, so you have the roller goes move, moving yeah. in front of it. It gives it a dynamism that I think is like you have the bouncy beat of the song is really yeah. really. I, thing I for completely it. agree. Yeah. I think the start of it, like the location and stuff as well, is very two thousands pop. Like mm. I really. Especially British. I said it like I think it's I think it's a sugar babe song. What's uh who sang Sound of the Underground? Oh Girls that's Girls Girls Aloud. Yeah. Do you know the video I'm on about yeah, that? Where like, they're like sort of it's got a similar set vibe to that. I think it's a big thing then, like shiny silver walls, like yeah. they also a lot like it's you can essentially green screen somebody in front of the inside of a cheese grater and it looks like a two thousand music video. I'm yeah. Approach. Yeah, that's yeah, true. no, it, that is fully true. Yeah. I, I don't have anything else to say about it. It's not something I can put into words. If you haven't seen it, just go and watch it. Because uh, the wait has definitely been worth it for me. Some other details, like, I don't know if you noticed it, but when he's in the hole at the beginning and he presses the button to come up, it the option's on the button. Robbie and more Robbie. Robbie and more Robbie. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's good. And then you have the Tiger briefs as well. Yeah, I did say that. Also MT become a merch item. No way. Yes. Dude, what if one of us showed up to the pod wearing, like, an RW shirt and the Tiger briefs and that was it? <laughs> I mean... And they're on back order, so it ah. can't be next week, but maybe the week after. Yeah, I think that'll be good. That'll, yeah. be, the, that'll be the uniform. We'll do a well, publicity for well, Hi, welcome to my house while we record. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in my Robbie Williams briefs. No one wants to see that. Dude, do you wonder if like any like autopsy people are ever like, yo, this is just like Robbie you do. You're saying the bit where he rips his ass cheeks off is really visceral and horrible. I mean, maybe because it's the shock of you don't know it coming, but the bit where he rips his like abs off... Ooh is like actively horrible I, like, I like the way how, it, like, how shiny it is too. it like squares up like he doesn't like rip it naturally like it pulls it's a pathetic so like it pulls off like a square and it like <laughs> I cannot stand the thought of it it's horrible Does it's this... so well done the, like the behind the scenes stuff is, is good as well for like just seeing like how a music video like that gets made and all the effort that's required for it like say for example a shot with the girls are in the window and then like a huge bit of meat splats on the window and there's like behind there's like 15 at least that they show like different takes of them trying to get the meat to land in the right place and then having to wipe off the window like every single time and it's just I think overall the video is a beautiful marriage of the song to the visual mm -hmm. I think it complements it I think it enhances it I think it's just 
exactly what a music video for that song should be. Yeah. Even though it wouldn't be the first thing that comes to you. Now, here's the thing I spoke a little bit about earlier. How I was worried that I might have seen it before and forgotten. I feel like as a kid, I have seen it. Okay. Mm. But obviously, I don't remember the second half of it. And I wondered, was it cut for TV? Yes. 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 So, uh, <clears throat> this video, it, it was a fairly big deal, obviously, because you don't see many music videos like this. Um, the ending is cut by most music channels, so before he starts taking skin off, they just cut it there for most of them. There is also an alternate music video that's just him in the studio, like recording the song. Uh, okay. Very generic, very boring. I feel like I've seen it until he strips to his boxes, mm-hmm. and like, I, I know more than that. They just fill it up with like other. Things. Yeah, I think like late night they could show it if they wanted to, but most channels just, just not work. Cut it, yeah. yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. So, like, I, I felt like I recognised the vibe of it, but, yeah, that, that nothing prepared me for that. Just to speak a little bit about my experience with the video, um, I also saw this when I was very young. Like, I would guess I was, like, five or six when I saw this video for the first time, and I did see it in full, because my dad particularly likes horror movies and, like, gory stuff, and he liked the video a lot, so he showed it to me. And it, it stays with you. Like, this is one of my favourite music videos ever. It's just... Seeing, there's a Vice article, uh, an interview with the director, and the writer talks about how a generation raised on videos like that, you don't just forget something like it, it's something you instantly canonize, and that's definitely true for me, it's like, this is the Robbie Williams video, it's going to be something that's always stuck in there deeply for yeah. me. I wonder if that's, do you think that's tied to why you like the song so much? Probably. Well? Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, to speak a little bit more about the response to this uh, music video, it first premieres on top of the pops, um, it, apparently there were several celebrities there, including Victoria Beckham, Mel C, and Destiny's Child, and they're all like left completely stunned by it. <laughs> there is nothing I want to see more than yeah. the look on Victoria Beckham's face. Uh, the BBC were very cagey about letting them premiere it on there; like they weren't sure if they were going to do it. But I think one of the producers fought for it and eventually got it premiered there, which is good. Um, and also, it was banned in the Dominican Republic due to allegations of Satanism. <laughs> That is very fair. It yeah. is quite satanic. There are a lot of like places we just can't show skeletons, just yeah. for various reasons. Yeah. Well. Interesting about the skeleton, I didn't expect, is actually mocap. Yeah. You see in the behind the scenes. He's they, mocap. They fully Robbie mocapped it, and like for a music video in two thousands, that's a lot of effort. That's right. Inc- mean, this is really off topic, but like mocap was not yeah. set at that point mm-hmm. because we're talking about we're talking about the videos recorded two thousand one, right? Um. Uh. Two thousand. Two thousand. Yeah, it would have been early two thousand. Okay. I mean, the like what year does the second Lord of the Rings with Gollum come out? Two thousand two, two thousand three, two thousand three or four. And that's the first big performance of mocap. Mm -hmm. Like Attack of the Clones, the Star Wars movie, has so much CGI in it, but they didn't use any motion capturing. What about Jar Jar and Phantom Menace? No. It's not mocap, is it? I I don't think it's motion capture. I I, I think it's reference capture, which is different. Ah, okay. I'm t- I'm talking off like experience of another podcast, but like they didn't use full motion capture because they hadn't they hadn't got there. They physically had not got to that point. I, so is this full mocap or yeah? It, it looks like it. Yeah, they talk about the insane. CGI stuff in the video. Like they had to create like a full CGI replica Roy for the stuff like after he ripped his face off. That yeah. that shot of the jaw hanging is also a yeah. Horrible. I but, mean that's this must have been an expensive production yeah. yes very so like, this is commitment like yeah this is not this isn't a bit like he really wanted to do this they they did say like in the video that they had to kind of rush the CGI stuff they said they only had like a couple of weeks or so to do yeah it, it seemed like they had some really tough crunch because they were on a like two week deadline to do that it that doesn't sound like the CGI industry <laughs> yeah. 
But the, I do think, unfortunately, the, the worst element of the video I'd say is the skeleton dancing at the end. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. look great. Yeah. Because it doesn't even look mo-capped, really. Yeah, I think you, it's mocap but poorly composited. You so just like, sort of accept it, though, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's not so like, short as well. Mm, I think it's consciously short. Like, yeah. Sort yeah. Of realize, okay, this, you know, it doesn't this doesn't look great. Let's keep yeah. this as a minimum. Yeah. So, is that all our rock DJ yeah, contact? I, I feel sad to move on, but... Yeah, I mean, we're li literally... Like 50 minutes in, aren't we? Okay, uh, so... Supreme. Sad to move on, but Supreme. What do we think? Pretty good. Uh, yeah, decent. Yeah, it's every. It's not a thing about it is original. Quite yeah, I was gonna Very say good. it's it's I Will Survive, right? Yeah. The yeah. verse melody is just the verse melody from I Will Survive by Gloria. Gale. An interesting thing that I read in the bottom of Genius, which I read the lyrics on, is like it says like samples. You know, mm. I Will Survive by what's the same story? Gloria Gaynor. Gloria Gaynor. Nineteen seventy-eight. Yeah. But then it also says sampled by I Need a Woman, but Fly. What? Which I didn't go and listen yeah, to. Yeah, I did see that on the Wikipedia page. I didn't look into it, but yeah, the song is sampled by McFly. But it's not, they've not sampled I Will Survive. Mm. They've sampled this song. One thing I was going to say is I really, really dislike when he stops singing and just speaks and lets his accent really come along. Oh, yeah, there's like a I, rapped middle eight. Yeah, I don't mind when he raps so much, okay? Because he raps on kids and I actually like that. Well, we will talk yeah. about that. We will talk yeah. about that. I have no problem with that. I would really like to know if Kylie Minogue knows that was going to happen as well. Um, <laughs> but I have no problem. I feel like but when he just speaks and lets his accent just totally come through, I'm not trying to be horrible, but it just it sounds bad. It, it's weird. Cause I am like, trying to be horrible. It sounds bad. The, the tone of this track is... And I've realised this over the course of looking at Robbie's tracks. He's thematically very interested in the idea that humans are people who, like have ambitions and goals and dreams, but are perpetually distracted by petty things such as, like, sex and stuff like that. I mean, that it's... is pretty much him summed up as a person, right? And he likes to reflect yeah. onto other people and look at, like, how, like, the stuff he recognises in himself is evident in, like, wider societal stuff, yeah. which is an interesting kind of thing. And this song, I think, is very much that. This it... is also one of the first songs, not videos, songs, where he starts to go horny on main. Yes. Like, this is where it starts to come through a little bit. I jokingly wrote, and this is before I knew what was going to happen, I wrote Fifty Shades of Robbie, because he talks about, like, choking some girls up, and I was like, ooh, well, the kinkster. <laughs> what it is, is, like, this bridge where, like, it's like, I don't think it's like he's letting his accent come through, he's, like, over-egging his accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the track has, so the verse melody is I Will Survive, the chorus melody, the strings behind it are taken from a soundtrack to a French film from 1970 mm -hmm. called... Yeah, um, I really like that string sample. Yeah, it sounds really good. good. Like the chorus melody, I think, is good because it sort of gives you a break from you know the melody to "I Will Survive." It's not a bad melody at all, but like the chorus comes in, it's like, hey, this is something new, and I like the way the chorus melody goes. But he brings in like he's. I'm gonna say it because I think it, it's something that you can't really convey otherwise. He says like, "I spy with my little." Eye. Well, he says like, "I spy with my little eye." Properly exaggerates yeah, northern. Really badly. And it's like something beginning with, and then it's like a sex noise, like a woman going, "Ugh." And it's yeah. like, and he says he doesn't finish the song beginning. He says, "Got my back up," and now she's screaming. So I've got to turn the track up. Sit back and watch the royalty stack up. Yeah, which I, I thought was funny. <laughs> it's like I've never heard somebody brag about that in a track ever before. Like they've gotten like royalties. Yeah, but I'd love this. I know this girl. She likes to switch teams, and I'm a fiend, but I'm living for a love supreme. Like I love the fact that he's like. I actually know a bisexual girl. <laughs> In 2000, that might have been a pretty big brag, though. <laughs> well, it's just... It's, I, I love that throughout his stuff, he, like... He loves to be near gay people. Yeah. He loves to be near yeah. them. I, I comment on we'll that We'll get later. to that. Yeah. Right. This... 
It just sort of struck me like it's crazy to think this was twenty years ago. Oh god! Like when you yeah, when you phrase it like that, this is interesting. Now I actually looked ago. up. We're like nine days away from the twentieth anniversary of this album. Jeez. Yeah, like we are desperately close to to yeah, as you said. Like some you, so you said some of the singles have been out by now, right? Do you not say Rock DJ? Rock DJ, got, Rock DJ is twenty yeah. years old. Yeah, Rock DJ is over twenty years old at this point. When we were born, like. Yeah, the give, shining was as far away from us. Yeah, like, like giving away our age a little bit, but like we're like not even really, we're not even really alive. We're yet. not even like, fifty. Yeah, like we're like two and a half. <laughs> yeah. So like inches, this ladies. Is, yeah. Well, well. <laughs> but um, it's 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 weird. It it doesn't because he talks about explicitly in the chorus like this new century is getting you down like he's do- doing a bit of a thing where like I-, I feel like any artist who talks about the millennium around 2000 apart from Jarvis Cocker is doing it knowing hey it's that time people are gonna it's like Guy Chambers said in the last episode where he said like he just it's like writing a song called yeah it's like writing a song called Brexit now it's like <laughs> you just like, have to mention it yeah but Jarvis Cocker Disco 2000 he put out a thing that prevented it being used in media so much. like he was like everyone's gonna spam this in 2000 so I'm just gonna make it so that no you literally cannot use this in film or television really yeah I respect that because it's such a great song and if it had been overplayed that much I didn't know that because disc everyone always goes on about common people being their best song but disc- Disco 2000 is their best song I've heard it's this is hardcore yeah oh okay. I'll, I'll, I, I like pulp, so fair. fair. But I, yeah, I, I think this I know. Disco Two Thousand is is the better song, all right, mm, and I, I absolutely stand for it. But this one, where he, he it, it has like a strange feel to it. It feels like he's sort of coming from an almost. I think would you agree, like kind of a Father John Misty kind of God perspective. I was going to bring up Father John Misty, not for this song, for a okay. later song, but. Yeah, Father John Misty was not a vibe I expected to get from anything on this album. But, yeah. <laughs> it's like he's like this alien thing looking at him and being like, oh, you silly humans. It's like he talks about, I guess, frail human concerns. Like, uh, what is it? What is it? Like, um, uh, yeah, yeah, here it is. So, are you questioning your size? Is there a tumor in your humor? Are there bags under your eyes? Do you leave dents where you sit? Are you getting on a bit? Will you survive? You must survive. Which is. I think that's interesting. Like he's he's sort of like picking apart people in yeah. a very sort of it feels judgy, but also feels like I get it. Yeah, I don't know. I actually like this song. Mm, I, I think yeah, I, I like think it's it. pretty good. Yeah, I think it's good. I think the samples are great. I think what he's going for is good. I genuinely think it's a good song. So it was the third single from the album released in December two thousand. Goes number four on the charts, and it's another one with a music video. Now. Less so, yes. you guys. Uh, obviously, I'm the sports fan out of us. I'm a big F1 fan. This was so weird to see. I I, I read, came up saying Jackie Stewart, and I was like, sure, surely not, right? So, Jackie Stewart it was like a very, it is argued to be one of the greatest ever racing drivers, drove during the, the 60s and the early uh, 70s. Also, was a person who really stood up for safety within the sport um, and was a three time winner, which Whoa. at the time was unheard of. Um, I think. Maybe four drivers have beaten that now, maybe five. Like it, he's he's generally seen, especially in that period of history, to be the best driver. Right. Um. The one of the weird things, obviously, he calls himself Bob Williams because obviously Robbie Williams, which is great. There's an F1 team called Williams, Williams Racing. They're big. They're the second most successful in the sport ever. So it's weird that he's like gone for the same name, which is odd. Um. I actually really like the video, but of course I'm gonna like the video. It uses lots of. Um, recycled footage from that area, that era of Grand Prix. You see, like the beautiful shots of of the original like Monaco track, like which the south of France Monaco does just look nice. Like I know, 
it's a, it's a problematic area, but like it just still looks beautiful. I actually the video is kind of generic and you know whatever, but I I like it because it's got the nostalgia for me. Yeah, it mostly went completely over my head. Yeah, yeah like, no really again, if you don't if you don't like F one, you won't like this video. But if you do. It's, it's nice. You get to see the old cars. You get to see the old tracks. A lot of the recycled footage is nice. I, I do think that it does have a notable thing in it, which is that it, it's Robbie driving against Jackie Stewart. Exactly. Trying to fight for the world championship, yeah. But he can't because he gets diarrhea. Yeah. The one thing I'm going to say is I don't think they would have started the race without him there. I think someone would have gone and looked for him a little bit more. Now, I don't mean to say this, but... Even in the 1970s, F1 was a bit more professional than this. Someone would have found it. They def- I'm going to say as well, right, the season finish was at Monaco, which doesn't really happen in real life. Monaco is held on a very specific date because it's, it's a bank holiday that weekend in the Principality. Okay. Okay, uh, it's like their celebration of independence. And that's why the race is there that weekend. So it's never the season closer, but I'm not going to get like picky about what makes sense. It's a fucking music video. But why on earth is he staying in a caravan at Monaco? The city of luxury. You know, the city of... Like, the track is next to a famous hotel. Okay? We go through a section called the hotel and casino section of the track. Like, that's what that section of the track is named. And that's where all the drivers stayed, because it's a minute walk to the paddock. Why is he in a fucking caravan? (laughs) Isn't it amazing that, like... This music video that shows, like, they probably had to pay a lot to get access to this old footage. I would imagine that, yeah, I don't think it would have cost a lot. It's not going to cost them millions. But I imagine it cost them a significant portion Mm. of money. And also, at that time, that kind of CGI compositing of putting Robbie in shots with, like... Yeah, I was thinking that. that I actually think the compositing is pretty okay. Yeah. I also think the shots that they shoot with just him to make it look not old-timey, but, like, that sort of time... They're noticeable, but they're yeah. not terrible. I think they're pretty good. I think the production's pretty good. Like, I don't think it's amazing, but I think it's good. I just feel like they definitely didn't tell the owners of that footage that it was going to conclude with Robbie Williams doing diarrhea in a caravan. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. They did uh, Like, it's insane. Yeah, I mean, the, the weird thing is, like, Jackie Stewart is fully still alive. I'd, I'd love to know what he thinks about this video. Like, uh, literally, like, two weeks ago, there was the 70th anniversary of Grand Prix. And, like, he was interviewed on TV. I, so, like, the man is still alive and, like, very okay. He's only, like, 81. Like, that seems... I literally... To me, I don't know. Did you feel like it was somebody who had died? Uh, to me, it just felt like somebody I had was, no frame of reference for it. I, I, yeah. It just felt yeah. to me like somebody... No, no, Jack Stewart's like, fully still alive. He did... He is famously quoted as saying, as, um, if I leave any legacy in the sport, I want it to be safety. I feel like, um... I've never been the world's most liked world champion because I didn't always say what people wanted me to say because he, he claimed that any driver that drove five years in F1 had a two-thirds chance of dying. Whoa. Like, the the sport was really unsafe. He crashed at, uh, at Spa, which is Belgium's Grand Prix, um, and, like, he got trapped in his car and there was, like, no track marshals, there was no barriers, there was no medical staff, they didn't wear helmets or seatbelts. These cars drove at, like, 190 miles an hour. And, like, none of it. it I, I, when you hear him speak about it, it's insane. Like, F1 now is supremely safe. That's enough to yeah. make anyone do a diary in their diary. Yeah, like, no wonder Robbie didn't want to go drive. If you've got to go drive around the streets of Monaco at 150 mile an hour with literally not an ambulance nearby, like, 
It got to the point where he had to pay. I'm just doing F1 history now, which no one's interested in. He had to sorry, pay just, for a private doctor. It's fine. No one else pick up, but you just said it's supremely safe. And the song goes. Hey! 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 I meant it. Anyway, let's move on because I could talk about F1 all day. <laughs> okay, now, okay, now. So, track five is Kids, kids. featuring Kylie Minogue. Kylie Minogue's here, which just blew me away. I did not see this coming at all. I love this yeah, track. This yeah, it's good. I love thing. this track. It's good. I really, really like it. Um. There's one line in it that is so supremely sexist it's almost unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Kylie sings the words, the purpose of a woman is to love her man. Um, which, you know, fair enough, Kylie, we feel that way, but it was so... But I couldn't believe she, she said it. I had to, like, actually... Like, I wasn't reading the lyrics at this point. I was I was replying to a message when she said it, and I was like, she didn't say that. Like, she definitely didn't say what I just thought she said. She didn't write that as well. Like, it was written for her by Robbie and Guy. They yeah. thought, like... Uh, in general, this kind of strikes me as one of those pop songs that's really not about anything lyrically. Yeah. Like, it's kind of just a lot of words. I think it's about itself. That's my theory on it. I think the part where they're saying, so we'll paint by numbers till something sticks, I don't mind doing it for the kids. Mm-hmm. Now, doing it for the kids, that sort of common, you know, are we going to divorce kind of phrase. Yeah. Now, let's stick together, we'll do it for the kids. But I reckon that that is a comment on the fact that, yeah, I'm Kylie, I sort of had my day kind of in the 80s and 90s and stuff, and, you know, and now I'm working with a bigger pop star, but, you know, let's do it for the kids, let's see, you know, how it happens, you know, that's that's why I take that. Yeah, but I think that's a good take. I, I do think, also, like, it's filled with stuff like Robbie Williams saying, me smoke heavy tar, which, don't that, know if you... Mm. I, I can't believe he said that as well. Like, it, it's so weird. It doesn't make any sense with the line before either. Because yeah. I read that before the song started, and I was like, you couldn't tell which way it was going to be round. And I was like, surely he's not going to say that. Like, he's surely, like, what he was going to say? It's so strange. The other thing as well is, is I didn't expect him to sing, like, the higher role. Yeah, he, which he was really odd. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just hadn't heard the song, and, like, I read the lyrics, and I was like, oh, okay, so Kylie sang the first song. So he's like, and he's going to go, me smoke heavy tar. And then he, like, Opposite, like me smoke heavy yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Like I did not see it coming. I do think a couple of points of vocal sound a little processed on the bridge. I mm. noticed it. That is a bit of a problem throughout the album. I think there are points where you think you didn't need to put on that much auto tune. Yeah. But I, the thing for me about this track, though, Christ, that chorus. Yeah, that is it, unbelievable. Every time I listen to it, not to go like wrong generationy, but it just it makes me wish that there could still be successful pop songs that sounded like this. Yeah, just the guitars in it is just it's so good. Because yeah, it starts off, it's got like a vaguely sort of kind of funky, vaguely trip hop feel just because of how the samples yeah. used. Yeah. But then it it morphs into like, have any of you guys ever heard the album Loveless by no, My Blue no, Valentine? No. Basically, it's a shoegaze album, you know, like guitars just blaring into each other and yeah. stuff like that. The opening track, Only Shallow, has this like amazingly cathartic, dun 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 dun, like relentless guitar chug through yeah. like the um, verses. And. It's like, I think he pretty much just took that and mm-hmm. put it in a pop context, and it's just mind-destroyingly good. Yeah. Like, they just say, it, it's almost like wordless, they don't need to be words, but it's, you know, it's like, come on, jump on board, take a ride, yeah, I'm doing it. Like, it just means nothing, but the way they say it, and the fact the second repetition, it feels like the note turns a bit more sour. Like, I, there's yeah. something about that I love. I agree. Everything about that chorus is just, like, Perfect. so aggressive and fast and it was this track also appeared in GTA 5 on the non-stop yeah. pop station yeah. which those memories are you know yeah. kind of tied with is this, me oh this, is this on this is why I heard it before yes yeah, yeah okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I oh yeah since I'm on non-stop pop obviously yeah Cara Delvin yeah. DJ that's, that's the most 2013 thing ever man yeah I can't believe they are 
I mean, it's just so off topic. I cannot believe they're re-releasing it again. Like, like it's it's incredible. Just a small thing, but like, uh, PS One two GTA games, PS Two three GTA games, PS Three two GTA games, PS Four no original GTA games. That's something that like, clocked And PS Five like, at the minute is yeah. not scheduled because they're just re-releasing GTA Five again. But the track is so perfect to drive to to go up ramps. It's just so yeah. to me that that sense of motion is like tied to that chorus for me. I'll yeah. talk a bit about that later. I agree with you though, John, with what you were saying before about like how you feel like this is something we've lost. Like I really feel like as well, like I, this is gonna lead into something I'm gonna say in a minute, but like male and female pop star like mm. high in their game like singing a song together doesn't feel common anymore yeah I can't really think of any big examples recently in pop but the closest thing would probably be the new Taylor Swift and Bon Iver Justin Vernon track but that's not he's not like a huge pop, pop star yeah. I feel like it's a general thing that just can't, it can't really happen anymore because the internet has diversified music taste too much so you don't have like monoliths like Robbie Williams that kind of dominate the zeitgeist so much yeah it's so, like it's a really big deal when someone like Robbie Williams and Kylie Minogue get together but now you have like uh, like Shawn Mendes and Camila Cabello like who really cares like, <laughs> yeah I mean maybe that's just our age yeah it like, could be yeah, yeah. but it, no that's a good point I, f- I forgot they'd done a song together um, so the thing that like this reminded me of was the Madonna Justin Timberlake song 4 Minutes okay and it really sort of sent me into a little bit of a spiral about is Justin Timberlake just a stripped down more successful version of Robbie Williams so it, the comparisons with Justin Timberlake are interesting. Uh, they've been made a lot by like critics who have tried to determine why exactly Robbie didn't make it in America, and kind of Justin is always painted as like what Robbie could have been if he'd made yeah. it. It's like the American. That's kind of, of what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you like, let's break it down. Like they're both successful '90s boy band stars who go on to have solo careers. Okay, yeah. they both are very willing to explore genre within their work in ways you wouldn't probably expect. Like Timberlake's very good for that, but then. Timberlake clicks and gets to be an actor and gets to be one of the most successful pop stars to ever live and he's a fucking good actor as well in some of the stuff Do you imagine done. Robbie Williams playing the Justin Timberlake role in the social network? Yeah I can't Lose the the is cleaner Yeah but exactly but like I just wonder like he's also and I'm not a big Timberlake personal life guy and I know he had some like quite public breakups of Britney Spears and stuff Spears he was dating? Yeah Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. Um, But like I never he's not weird do you know what I mean? He's not publicly ever presented himself as particularly strange, I don't think. He's he's kind of... He does have some... I mean, to be fair, Man of the Woods is insane. Yeah, Man of the Woods okay. is very bizarre. There is definitely some weirdness there, but it's not to the extent. It's not Robbie. Yeah. And it's also... I don't, I don't feel like he leans into it ever. Yeah, no, no. I, I think that, like... Okay, so he's, Robbie... He's cleaner. Like, that's mm-hmm. how I feel about it. <laughs> cleaner? Not, yeah, no, but like, he's like... Like, more clean cut. Like, he dropped the ver. <laughs> it does work every time that joke (laughs) but I think obviously Timberlake being American is obviously a huge advantage yeah for for sure but he collaborated with big producers and Robbie pretty much just mainly worked with Guy Chambers around this time and Guy Chambers is pretty much just it's like Bernie Taupin and Elton John they're connected like that but um, Timberlake worked with uh, Pharrell and the Neptunes right yeah Neptune Pharrell Chad Hugo and they produced um, what is it Disco track was it? It's like uh, ooh. Wait, what is it? What is it? What is it? It's uh. Uh, but, uh you is a your girls on the floor get get a girl. For some... <laughs> I have no idea. No, seriously, it's like an early Timberlake song. It's like his first big hit solo. It was always first. Uh, no, no, it's like um. Uh, wait, wait. 
damn it, this is important. This is very important to the point. Rock your body. Ah, yeah, yeah. Which gonna rock your body. It's Rock DJ, isn't it? Yeah, it is Rock it's DJ. successful, internationally successful Rock DJ. The music video is even really similar when you think about it. I haven't seen the video in a while. It's Justin Timberlake in sort of a cube where there's lights and stuff. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah he's yeah. dancing. No, but then he doesn't strip himself to skin. <laughs> That's the fucking difference. Like, that is such a good point. Like, I had not even thought about that. They are so similar in early career trajectory, okay, that point, like... It just splits, obviously, massively. Yeah. But you really feel like Robbie, who wanted to be in Screen from the first album, he actively tells us Screen is apparently beckoning. Yes. And he's he's never... I don't know if he's actively said it, but he quite clearly wanted to be an actor of some mm-hmm. form. Well, we'll yeah. get on to yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Like, Justin Timberlake is a more successful version of what Robbie Williams wanted to be. I'm just thinking about all these, like, scenarios. Like, is, rock your body. Even, like, in the, he says, like, I'm going to get you naked by the end of this song. Robbie Williams is in Rock DJ. He's more naked than any human being ever has been in their life. <laughs> but, ex- like, it, like, I think it's such a good point. Like, the Neptunes, I can't remember if it's a solo for or a Neptunes production, but the beat for Rock Your Body was originally made for Michael Jackson. That was wow. what originally, yeah. And the whole tune, I think he wrote it as, not Michael Jackson wrote it, but I think Pharrell, like, wrote some, something melody-wise as well. But that was handed off to Justin Timberlake, because I think, I think Michael Jackson turned it down. And um, that, like, working with Pharrell, working with Timberland, work with other, like, huge producers who could really not only give, like, Justin his own sound, but associate himself with, like... Justin Timberlake has always been much more closely aligned to hip-hop uh, yeah. than Robbie has, mm-hmm. just because, you know, he worked with the Neptunes who at the time were mainly famous for producing tracks like Snoop Dogg and The Clips, who, like, push it to yeah. and Malice. And Robbie doesn't have any kind of hip-hop connection despite his many attempts on this yeah i mean which kind of fits into what we could talk about after but yeah i really feel like this is like so they're so similar early and they've split so bit like apart it's It's really interesting like such an insane point but like once you've said it it's like it's like you've opened your third eye yeah he really he he really is. is a bad version a bad british version of timberlake it's I think I I would go as far as saying that Tim Blake is better at everything he's done as well. I think Tim Blake's a better artist. I mean, I don't want to get. I don't think it's. I, I think, I think Tim Blake's a better artist, but I don't. I'll have to think about that. I think, I think he's overall, less interesting. <laughs> oh, he made the twenty twenty experience part one. Now nah, he's yeah he's yeah uh, sorry. yeah he but, his his early albums are great as well. I think. Like if you compare Justified to the is it Through Lens's first album, yeah, like, like, Lens. Justified is yeah. incredibly much better. Like it's so much better. Because um, okay. he establishes his own sound early, which we're talking about from producers. Yes. Like, Rock Your Body is. Yeah, we're talking about it, like, and Crimea River. Crimea River is so good. Oh, wow. And that's like, completely. There's a whole new sound in that. I think Rock yeah. DJ is actually pretty forward looking. Like, some yeah. of the stuff on this album is pretty, you know, turn the millennium, like, let's try something new. Yeah. But Justin working with Timbaland to get all those, like, weird little beatbox sounds. Yeah. That was something new. The interesting thing is, we're talking about this, like, Justified is two years away still. Like, Justified oh. is 2002. So. You know, like, we're saying they're really early, uh, but, like, it's not like they were ever competing. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, like, it's just interesting how similar them things are. Like, how small decisions such as maybe working with a second producer just to get a different sound mm-hmm. leads to maybe success. And, you know, just curving yourself in slightly and sort of being a little bit weird yeah. just leads to a bit of success. Like, as was, I, I don't know, but I don't remember Justin Timberlake offering Liam Gallagher out of the Brits. <laughs> do you know what I mean like because Justin Timberlake knew he didn't want to be a rock star 
he wanted to be a pop star. You can see, and they're like, different things. And like, I think Robbie, especially early on, just couldn't get the vibe that he didn't want to be a rock star and he had to be a pop star. And he was trying so hard to be a fucking rock star and he wasn't one. Hey, Julian Casablancas, $10,000 of your money and... That's the yeah, exactly. That, I mean, I'd kill to see that. Just Julian. to speak about what you're saying right now, there is a documentary about Robbie Williams that we'll talk more about in a bit. But that documentary ends with Robbie Williams kind of like making the statement that he knows he's not cool, he's not a rock star, he's a pop star, and he's kind of okay with that. And I think because it came out in his album cycle, it kind of speaks about his album's probably his best yet because he's not trying to be something else anymore. Mm. Yes, yeah. but you feel like he's wasted like three, four years here mm-hmm. where he's now done stuff that he was trying to be a rock star, he was trying to release an Oasis album, he's trying to fight. Mate, if you want to put your marker down that I'm the rock star in 1999, yes, offer Liam Gallagher a fight. You cannot get anything like more rock star than that. Uh, what are you what, what are you going to do? Throw Liam Gallagher with the ho- fucking hotel uh, TV with, out the window as well? well like, it's so rock star. That's the thing. It's, but he's not. Yeah. It's even claiming rock star via association with another rock star. Everything yeah. Liam Gallagher does is rock star, but Robbie Williams is just trying to grasp Exactly. And I feel like, obviously, you try and market that in the US... And you send mixed messages. You've got this guy who they describe as goofy, yeah. trying to act like he's a rock star. But maybe if we, this album had been the push, and we they'd use Kylie's name, who's had U.S. success. At least I imagine she has, right? I'm honestly, I don't know if she's so... just big in Britain. Or not. Yeah, I don't know. I either. think she was mainly big in Britain because her her stuff in the, I mean, her actual um, big success internationally was stuff that came around this time and after, like. Yeah, uh, I'm like spinning around, and especially "Can't Get You Out of My Head" was an international success. Yeah, that that's okay. an insane track. But like, let's just say that like it lends a little bit more weight to the album. Yeah, um, you know, you've got "Rock DJ," which is clearly a good pop song. Like, I feel like if this had been to even the second album, I feel like things could have clicked more. Like, I really feel like there's so much yeah. just like circumstances played against him here almost and like I'm not saying he would have made it because he's still fucking weird like there's a reason we do a podcast about him but yeah, I just feel like he's he's. I just feel like he missed out a bit there I I guess like if we talk about like kids a bit more like the song just to yeah, just, some stuff really we're saying that out. Timberlake's very close to hip hop and uh, Robbie wants to be well Robbie got as close as you can be without being it to me this actually feels I I it's another thing about this song that's joyous, as well as Christ Almighty, the vocal harmony when like Kylie says, "I like drummers, baby, you're not my bag." The way she says "bag" and it sort of becomes this like banshee wail as it goes. Yeah, yeah. it's unbelievably good. I love everything about this track, but the part where Robbie does his actual like little hip hop break. Yeah. Oh man, it's that feels fantastic. like a mission statement to me. Yeah, that is I, like another mission statement. I actually genuinely like it. Yeah. Yeah, like it. Right, come on, like, it's, it's, it's not Kendrick Lamar, is it? But like, it's good. Like, I enjoy it. It's fine. I've actually, I've, I've like memorized it, and I think please like, don't do it. I just, I think the lyrics are essential to yeah. like because I think they are like a perfect summary of Robbie. It's like, I'm an honorary Sean Connery, born '74. There's only one of me, single-handedly raising the economy. Got no chance. The record company dropping me. Press be asking, do I care for sodomy? I don't know. Yeah, probably. I'm looking for serial monogamy, not some bird who looks like Billy Connolly. Which but, is so good. Yeah, like, again, how can you make it in America and be saying, I don't want a bird that looks like Billy Connolly? Exactly. You cannot do it. It's impossible. Like, like that is not, Billy Connolly is not a man who is translating to the States, all right? <laughs> it's just like, it, it's it's another, like, okay, the final lines are, um, 
But for now, I'm into ornithology. Grab your binoculars. Come follow me. Every so single good. one of those it's lines so is Robbie Williams. It's perfect. It's yeah. like the thing of him actively wanting to be James Bond, a thing he said yeah. like repeatedly. The fact that like the the gay peekaboo thing, to quote the film, the interview, which I think is like a perfect thing to describe what Robbie Williams does with regards to sexuality throughout stuff. Like Presby asking, no actual gay pop star is going to say the line. Presby asking, do I care for sodomy? I don't know. Yeah, probably. Like. <laughs> No, no, like a lot. Either the way he delivers that in the video is so oh, good as man. well. Like he like looks confused. He's like, yeah, <laughs> probably. That is so good. I'd like to know: Did Carly Minogue know this was going in, or did he just record it one day and slip it in while she wasn't looking? I feel like it's such a weird thing. And like, you've got to phrase it better than that. <laughs> I mean, the end's a little. The end of the well, video is oh, a little bit. There are bit. stories. We have so many stories. Yeah. yeah. Are we doing the video? I'm just thinking. If there's anything else to? Well, just one thing I want to say. This kind of takes away from it a little bit for me but it's less about the song and more so about the rest of the album at this point this marks the fourth time out of five so far that the songs have ended with fade outs rather than just ending and I don't think it works very well for the pacing I don't really like fade out endings anyway I prefer when a song has a more decisive ending I so that's just something that. I picked up on at this point. I liked it on this one just because like, it has him repeating this like yeah. I like to drink up and never like to sip it and it's a stuttered little vocal refrain I feel like it's almost like like a calm down after like an absurdly energetic song. It's not like a fast song, but it's yeah. just so much. Yeah, it's I big. agree. I agree. But uh, the video now. So again, I wrote so horny because it really is. I actually really don't like this video. Yeah, I don't. I think it's a bad Robbie look as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a terrible fit for the song. To me, I don't know if you there's um that song that's used in a bunch of like I think it was Halfords or B and Q Avis in the past where it was like. I'm ready to go. That song, yeah. do you remember that? If you've seen the video for that, it's like a constant series of like extremely quick zooms. So one zoom to one zoom to one zoom and it has this constant sense of motion. This needed that for the hook. It needed yeah. a constant sense of motion, not sort of like watching them go up some stairs. That's I feel nothing. there's one good shot in the whole video. It's the aerial shot of them when things move around I like them. that. It's good. But yeah. I still thought it needed more for the chorus specifically. It needed more cuts, more motion, oh, 100%. more speed. Oh, I don't think the video yeah. is good. I'm just saying there's one like mm. particularly nice shot the dance as well at the bridge where they're like shimmying into and back from each other is really awkward I think yeah oh I, I was joking I was at a wedding at the weekend and I was doing that and I, I did not expect <laughs> to see that come up that's the sort of thing I do to take the piss out of bad dancing like what the f what who who allowed that to be in an in, international music video Some something that like really stuck out to me when I watched it was that from all the years I've heard it over like playing GTA and stuff, I it always felt to me like this supremely oh damn it that word again. But this supremely confident sort of example of two pop stars just playing to their various strengths. And it just felt to me like, you know, it was like Robbie and Kai in the lab being like, We've cooked up a seriously good one here. Yeah. But in the video, it's amazing. You can tell Robbie is terrified of Kylie. Oh yeah, big time. And big it's, time. I, I found out some did you find out some stuff behind the scenes about Yeah, the that? relationship between Robbie and Kylie seems fairly interesting. Yeah. I yeah. I feel like he's absolutely terrified of her. And also, the, the video ends with her dropping her clothes off and walking into a pool. I'm sure we're going to come to that. Okay, and now the video cuts right before the kiss, mm. all right? And I am so sure that they, like, called cut and Kylie, like, pulled away and walked off and never spoke to Robbie Williams ever again. Well. Like, I also imagine he was... I imagine... I know what... I know where it's going. I already... Can, I don't want to say, but I'm sure you're going to say something and I'm going to go, that is what I thought. Well, okay. The first time I watched we, it... We do, we, yeah, we're doing this. Okay, I, I got the sense that there was something really... It felt like Robbie was intimidated by Kylie. I think both the combination of just finding her very attractive and also knowing that she's like more of an established pop star than he is. Just yeah. a whole bunch of things. But um, Is she diva-ish? Has she got a bit of an ego? Is she like... 
sort of like that. I don't really know much sure. about Kylie. My experience. One thing that yeah. is interesting, she has a huge gay fan base, so had Robbie, so this was like, you know, should have called Doing It For The Gays. Uh-huh. Yeah. 20,000 20, retweets. Yeah, no worries. I'll, <laughs> I'll sort them out for you. But, um, but there's a great story from behind the scenes. Robbie is open. Uh, uh, this is a different thing from your thing. But Ro- Robbie is open about the fact that, yeah, he did have a crush on her during the making this video. I was just saying it in public, in an interview with Ant and Deck of all people, which found quite interesting. But um, I feel like they're about to make their rise to power anyway in the UK, aren't they, Ant and Deck? But there's this to- uh, interview where he talks about what it was like filming it that confirmed literally every suspicion I had about it. He said that she actually was properly naked at the end. She was just wearing a G-string. And he... He was, like, nervous during the shoot. He, like, drank a bit of Drambuie to, like, calm down his nerves, but he said it backfired, and when it happened, he just sort of, like, laughed like a teenage boy and couldn't really contain himself. And then he, he wrote this in his biography. I think that any chance of anything disappeared when I laughed at her. Perhaps she likes being naked, but she probably doesn't enjoy being laughed at by some stoky idiot. <laughs> yes, Robbie, I think that may be accurate. <laughs> and then he said, I think this really... You get this vibe from the video. I couldn't figure out why my banter wouldn't work, why my natural ability to just be myself went awry. And in the Ant Deck video interview, he also said, like, she's, that's the thing about Kyla, she's all woman. She's little woman, like Emily Bronte, but she's all woman. Emily Bronte didn't write that woman. But, um... <laughs> but it's, you get the sense that, yeah, I think it really detracts from the video. It's like, we'll get, we'll talk about chemistry and stuff later, but for this video, it, the chemistry is negative, and it's a shame, because... I think the song's great. This might yeah. be my favourite song on the album, I'm not even lying. Yeah, but again, like you're speaking about it, I guess, I think it's so similar to the Four Minutes video, where I think their chemistry on screen with Donna's and Timberlake's is great. I think they mm. they complement each other well. They both hit their marks. They look confident. That's the thing. He doesn't look confident. Like, you compare it to Rock DJ, he looks... Yeah, like he's too scared to be himself, which he's saying he's saying himself that. And weirdly enough, the part where I think he's most confident in the video is when he's doing the rap, and it's just him on his own. Oh, he seems in his bag there, but like with the rest. I, of ma- it, I mean, I imagine yeah. Kylie wasn't on set. That's nah, why. there's no reason for him to be on set for that bit. But the rest of the video, it kind of looks like Kylie's about to eat him alive. And yeah, it's it's, like... I feel bad for him. Speaking of eating, uh... yeah. So um, there have been there are a couple of interviews I saw where he was asked about Kylie. Uh, you spoke about this album being the hoarding on main album, and that can especially be seen in the interviews. Any interview he does, and the interviewer is a woman, it just turns into flirting. Okay. Like that is, it speaks to how weird the early two thousands were, and like you could get away with this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's one interview where he's on like an Australian talk show kind of thing, uh, where the female host on it, like the there's a female host and a male host, and the male host remarks that it's the female's first day, like she's new on the job. Oh. And so, like, Robbie welcomes her and says, oh, you're doing a good job. But he looks at her and then he goes, are we going to snog? And he just goes yeah. in and he starts making out with her on camera. There's a lot of stuff like uh, this that's going right, to come well, that up. And, like, very she, she seemed into it. Like, she... But was she into it because it, it was day on one on the job? Yeah. That, is, that is something um, that, like, you, you couldn't even probably get away with, like, six years later. There's... Further on into this interview, the one of the hosts asks him, did anything happen between him and Kylie? And he says no, but, and I quote verbatim, he would really like to bone Kylie. <laughs> he says the phrase, I would really like to bone her. <laughs> On Australian TV. On Australian TV, yes. Yeah, she's not very big over there, is she? I don't think she ever cracked that mark. <laughs> um, and then there's another series of interviews he did. It's an MSN web chat type thing, where it's obviously people virtually asking him questions. And one of them, 
there's like a series of several like three or four minute videos and I do recommend them they're all like genuinely funny it's basically like Robbie just riffing constantly <laughs> but he's very charismatic funny. doing bits and there's one about Kylie where it devolves into um, talking about sex again someone asks like did he have sex with Kylie he's like no no and nothing happens um, and then he gets another question uh, what would you never eat and he says Kylie's pussy <laughs> Which then devolves into like a two minute routine of just riffing like innuendos about Kylie's pussy and eating it. Alright, genuinely, that's incredible and I'm gonna watch that later. <laughs> Why would you do that? I, f- I, I do feel bad for him in the video because he does look so uncomfortable. But uh, it, yeah. It's funny that in the interviews afterwards like there is no discomfort he's so confident yeah, talking the thing about is, like, if you've yeah. been that confident around her he would have got to like well, like, <laughs> well according to his way apparently he walked on Australian TV and went do you want to snog to the presenter and she was like yeah this interview isn't specifically about kids but like since we're in this sort of weird interview zone there was an amazing interview I mentioned Charlotte Roche the German like presenter earlier right? yeah yeah there's an interview he did on her show that in terms of trajectory, it's like you said, It like if you thought the snog stuff was insane, this, like, I've written down many quotes from this. It, there's this great part where, so she throughout, Charlotte Roch is an extremely horny person. You ever heard of the film Wetlands? No. She wrote the book that it was based on. Horny, detrimentally horny book, horny as hell. She was, like, very sex-positive kind of stuff, and pretty much every male rock star, pop star she interviews, she, she does have this incredibly flirty demeanor with them, right? Okay. And so she sort of has that with Robbie a bit. And so she's sort of got this kind of constantly trying to impress him thing. And when she's asking, hey, the album sounds a bit more sedated, less sort of angry call-out stuff. She asks him, where does the anger go? And he said, well, since I've been doing heroin, I can block it all out. And in an effort to sort of like riff along, she like furiously taps her arm like this. And seeing that on television, it's like, ha yes, is like just like incredibly strange. That is some insane energy. But then there's this part where he really starts to flirt with her. He stops in the middle of the interview, points to her and says, you're really posh, aren't you? You can hide behind your nose ring, your mouth ring, your dog collar. And she says, look, I was just raised with a posh accent. He's like, no, that's not bad. I'm not saying it's bad. I think it's really sweet. I find it a bit sexy, actually. You're a bit like one of the railway children. (laughs) (laughs) The man is fundamentally broken. (laughs) And it concludes with this, like... So she says, okay, well, that's the final question. He's like, no, I demand you ask me more questions. And then she says, will you show me your knickers? And he does, he sort of like opens his fly bit and shows her like his pants. And she's like, do you want me to show you mine? And he's like, yeah, go on. And she does. And he's like, oh yeah. And she's like, I'm not wearing any. He's like, oh, you actually aren't. Is that a come on, do you think, viewers? And looks at the camera. <laughs> and then she says, because they're all dirty. And then this like manic, insane look flashes across his eyes. Looks right in the camera and says, cool. <laughs> Which she then follows with, I was so effing nervous. I had diarrhea all day. <laughs> It's the most insane interview I've seen with anybody ever. And also, to top it off, like, oh yeah, she introduces him as, what does she introduce him as? She introduces him as the greatest um, living entertainer in the world, which he is like, he doesn't really know how to take that. He's like, I mean, I'm Robert Williams, I'm not even sure. But then I found an interview she did with Liam Gallagher from that same year, and she opens it with saying he's the sexiest rock star in the world. Which I thought which, was a really nice contrast. So if someone needs to tell Robbie that, otherwise it may hurt him inside. Yeah, I just, I, I wanted to find a place to put that in, because his conduct is insane with interviews. I, I don't even know where to go with that. Yeah. What the fuck? It's really strange. Oh, she sounds mental as well. She's, like, she's now, like, you know, she's doing, like, screenwriting stuff and presenting, but 
yeah, her whole thing in the 90s was just being really, like, you know... It's just such a strange atmosphere. Like, you can't yeah. imagine interviews nowadays going no, like no. that. I mean, I, it, like, it, right, here's a question. Did you and Kylie Minogue sleep together? Uh, no, I respect Kylie way too much as an artist. I'd never do something like that. That is how that question gets answered. The question wouldn't even get asked today. Yeah, 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 you know, like, yeah. Like, no interviewer is asking anybody, did you sleep with this person? Exactly. Yeah, like, I really feel like the, like the mid-2000s, like... I feel like that was like prime TMZ. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you could really get away with gossipy shit. Like I feel like we have lost that. I feel like it's like nineties Channel Four. You know what I mean? Yeah. That real sense of like anarchic sort of stuff. Yeah, and exactly. Often, as it was used, pretty much was just an excuse for like men to prey on like women and yeah. be like, hey, I mean, it's a bit it's, of what we're saying. We're like talking about with like a golden charm. Like it's actually horrific. Yes, like, like it's terrible, but like it is something that has fallen out of culture. Another thing as well, like about like questions and stuff now, it's just. It's something that happens in football a lot like the 90s in football have some great interviews because people just say what they want but kids now from like 15 in academies like and like the youth teams are given media training mm. so like that edge has been lost mm-hmm. there's a very famous interview of one of the managers like shouting at another manager and he says I'd love it if we beat them and he's like going mental at the camera and it's one of the most insane things like on national television he screams down the TV all right, just wouldn't happen now. It, it's it's weird. It's like nineties interviews, like rock stars and pop stars stuff, always tended to be just two people getting drunk and asking, like, "Oh, would you shag them?" Nah, would you shag them? Yeah, probably. Mm. But that seems to be the thing. Also, one little thing I wanted to bring in was this comment I saw on the Liam Gallagher Charlotte Roch interview for a guy named Gaz saying, "Bless her, she was proper gagging for her. I hope he lobbed it in her." Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if Liam's track record is anything to go by, he definitely did. I just look like this. I can't. I'm not going to show his full name or his picture, but I don't want to dox him. But it's just perfect. It's like absolutely perfect. Uh, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if that's Robbie's old. No, oh, good win. But okay, I think have we talked all there is to say about kids? Uh, well, just one more thing. It was the second single from the album releases in October 2000. So it's interesting. There is only one pre-album single. And it's Rock DJ. I guess it makes sense because TJ is strong enough to sustain the whole thing. Yeah. It goes to number two in the charts, um, and it is also included on Kylie's album. So it's not just oh. the, like Robbie Solo song it gets on cool. Kylie's album too. So oh, song's right now we're on to um, if track it's six. Me. If it's hurting you, and I've got to say, I think so far it's kind of banger for banger. Honestly, I know you're not that into Better Man, but I think mm-hmm. the the quality of the tracks. This entire track run is better than the entirety of any previous Robbie yeah. album. Yeah, obviously we give ratings about the albums in my head. I was like, oh nice, this is a good album. Yeah. I'm happy with this so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this song's fine, but it's a step down. If it's hurting you, track six. I think this song rules. I love this song. I think it's incredible. Wait, I think... am I thinking about a different song? This one's got like, the thing that got it for me is like, it has this electro banjo sound. I really like that. This is the song that sounds like Father John Misty for me. And it's probably no. just like the high-pitched ooze, because Father John Jonas does it all the time but I think this is what I talk about when I think his lyricism has improved kind of songs like this and there's one few from now uh, it's just so much better melodically like I think especially on his other albums the slower like deep cuts would suffer a lot it generally weren't as strong and this is one of those but it's so much better this time um, and again with his lyricism I think he's much better at storytelling on this album painting a more vivid image and I think this track is a key example of that it's like it's gone from something that's just acoustic and built around the vocals to something yeah. where every part of it's considered. Yeah. 
And I looked up what the weird sound was, because I didn't know if it was like a sitar or something, but yeah, it's an electric banjo that sort of plinks along yeah. the track. And that was, adds a lot to me. I was reading the wrong bit, so it's the next one I don't really like. Ah, okay. Yeah, this one is good. I didn't write a lot, but I wrote, I like this. Mm-hmm. I think I also wrote better lyrics. It just sort of, I, it, it feels weirdly like, it feels kind of modern. It feels mm-hmm. like it could have come out last year. Just, it, there's something about it that I feel, this really holds up. Like, I, this, it's just, so far it's been a really consistently good album. Yeah. Not much to say about it. The track seems to be about... Uh, seems like a breakup of some kind. Mm. Like, yeah, reminiscing on it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, solidly good. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to dedicate 20 minutes to talk no. about You know, there's not much to talk about, but it is one of my favourite tracks he's ever done. Like, it's probably top five for me. I think it's that good. And this was the point for me that I really realised, okay, there is zero Oasis influence on this. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, yeah, there's just nothing so far. So, then we have Singing for... Is it singing for the singing lonely? For the singing lonely. for the lonely. Which I agree with you, it's not great. I think this I track and the next track is kind of the mid-album flow for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the point. yeah, I wrote, for this, I wrote boring. And then I wrote the thing about how he has the line about his own songwriting. But I spoke mm. about that earlier because it's more relevant to a comment I made earlier. It was just strange that like I made a comment on the second song and then mm-hmm. he also yeah. wrote it himself. And then the other one, like, is it Love Calling Earth or something like that? Oh, we can get to that in a second. Yeah, okay, I was Sing gonna... for Lonely, I was going to say, do love the Woolworths mention. Oh, God, what Does Woolworths get a shout yeah. out? Yeah. I didn't spot that, that's great. I'll have to check, because I didn't... That I'm pretty one, sure it's that song. This one, like, kind of washed over me. I thought it was good. Weirdly enough, it reminds me a bit of Sweet by Frank Ocean, where it sort of starts from, like, a sort of... It's not as, like, noisy at the start, but it starts off from kind of a standard sort of ballady kind of thing to build up into like an actual drum and bass kind of thing which that really surprised me but um i i didn't dislike it i could listen to it and have a good time yeah i don't not... think it's bad again i just went boring it's yeah it's not too memorable uh yeah so it's actually after the chorus first line the hooligan half of me that steals from Woolworths while the other lives for love yeah that yeah i remember that yeah that was good oh, well... but again like He's name dropping Woolworths in a song. Of course, he didn't make it in America. Yeah, yeah. yeah America does have Woolworths. Does it? They're different things, but they do have. Woolworths them. didn't even make it here, mate. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's a tragedy. Yeah, R.I.P. Woolies. Do um, we know that pick and mix? Oh, when you think about it, like, it's crazy that like that is just the same shop as Wilco now. Like, I am looking at it on um, Genius, just the credits. Some of the backing vocals was called Planet Claire Worrell, which interesting little nickname you got there. Claire. But um, then uh, love calling Earth. To me, this is the absolute low point of the album. Yeah, yeah. It's such an odd chorus. It's it's. I think some of the melodies are actually quite interesting, but it's just so. It's it's a shrugged kind of a track, you know. Yeah, again, oh, I wrote, a guy. Or odd chorus question mark boring. Oh, there's a guy at the. Yeah, got delivery folks. Yeah, sorry. Fresh shipment of Robbie Williams albums. Cheers, boss. My dog, my dog's so pointless. Doesn't even bark when someone comes to the fucking door. <laughs> this was. These are all my notes of love calling Earth. I'm not even joking. Yeah. Sorry about that. But um, I literally couldn't think of anything to write besides air. Like, yeah. It just it's it's so unmemorable. Yeah. Uh. Nuts for city limits. Here we go, boys. Nuts for city limits. Yeah, this is an incredibly Robbie track. It's, I love it. It's nice that he is somewhat proud of where he's from. Mm. I feel like a lot of pop stars try to decentralize from a particular mm. location that isn't. London or New York. Yes. Uh, like, you know, like, it's not... <laughs> being from Stoke isn't Vogue. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just not. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, it's, I'm proud that he... I'm happy that he's proud of his of his northern roots, even if it's... 
I actually saw a headline from him recently, like within only the past couple of weeks, uh, where he talks about how he's considering moving back. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, because he the LA culture of like spoiled children and stuff. He doesn't want his kids to be shaped by. Because he lives in LA right now. In LA. Okay. Something actually in that interview with Charlotte Roach that he said when asked like his biggest dream he hadn't achieved yet was he said he wanted to have kids and live in the sun, which mm. is kind of interesting that he just ended up doing that. But yeah, I think this track, um, the title, uh, the title is like a pun on the track "Nutbush City Limits" by Tina Turner. Okay. Something. But um, I did. I read this article published before the album was released on the. I was gonna say he's not he's not from Nutsford, is he? He's he's not he's from Stoke, and Nutsford is about like thirty minutes north of Stoke. It's uh, also, he says you call me Northern Scum, and in interviews around the album, he repeatedly refers to himself as Northern, so Stoke is Northern. Per Robbie Lawrence. Right, no, but the thing is, Stoke isn't in the North. Nutsford is, because it's 30 minutes north of Stoke, but Stoke is not. I'm just saying, uh, he's just, he seems to be, you know. Right, if you go off the model that the Midlands doesn't exist, it is in the North. He's never the said Midlands like he's a Midlands kind of. Uh, oh, here it is, here it is. It was the. Wait a second. Uh, I just want to get this newspaper right. So one thing I was going to say as well, just while you find that, mm-hmm. is um, he has a line about how like one transmission on the telly pissed him off. I just feel like that's a very Robbie Williams thing to be annoyed about. Like one thing on TV was against him, so he f- he's like, I hate TV now. It's like the, the, he he turns it into "Don't hate me because I'm handsome," which is like yeah. very Robbie. It's kind of <laughs> yeah. admirably Robbie. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was getting at. Um, where is it? It's this article in the ah yeah the Warrington Guardian. Right? Yes, Warza. Before before the album came out, there was this article in July 2000 that I found, which said, pop star Robbie Williams may be dedicating a song to Nutsford. Which... <laughs> They're very close. They, they, there was anticipation about whether it'd be like a negative portrayal. And this quote from the article I just, I just love is, Apparently it's about the kind of people who flip from party to party, not really caring what it's for, but just to be seen in the right place, said former part-time DJ and Nutsford journalist Chris Reed, now living in New Zealand. But this week, Robbie's record company were keeping the lyrics and their possible meaning firmly under wraps. The song title is just a pun with words, said a spokesman on Monday. Which, and this thing's like, a, a pun, pun with, with words. words. <laughs> <laughs> it's like someone's combined, combined pun and play on words together there to get pun with words. I love a good song with music. Yeah, they're my, just... my favourite. <laughs> um, I really like it. It's fun, it's bouncy. Yeah, yeah it's, it's good, yeah. Yeah. Every part of it works. Like like the weird part of the end is like one transmission on the television. Yeah. It's like that's infectious. Everything that works. Totally unrelated fact. Mm-hmm. But now we're talking about Warrington. Warrington were commissioned by the like crown, like the Queen and stuff, Aye. to make new gates for Buckingham Palace. And then the Queen found out that Warrington is actually where Oliver Cromwell was from. So after they had been made, they refused to take them for that reason. So like the city of Warrington is and I say this as a friend who lives from Warrington, who's quote, this is quote, a shithole, he called it many times to me, uh, just has really lovely golden gates because they had to repurpose them. That's so... So that's they a, refused to take them. That's a centuries-old grudge of one guy being from somewhere. I know! That, she it's had insane. to find out. She's what, like 700? And the entire time of her life, she didn't know all the Cromwell came from there. She finds out and then suddenly the entire place is like Yeah, cursed. so they didn't take the gates, which is fucking hilarious right. right anyway let's move on to forever texas right now, now this song is not about the place texas really is it i can't i don't think so oh. i think there is something absolutely fucking hilarious about having a song about how you're so proud to be northern and from like nutsford even though he's not from nutsford and then following up with a song called forever texas 
I, like, I know that's not what he's getting at, but on paper that is funny. <laughs> it's like a complete, like, like he's just doing an American sort of bluesy yeah. sound. That's and the this is thing. finally where I wrote Horny on Main. This yeah. is where I wrote the comment in my own notes, and I decided that it was finally time to declare it. Horny it, on Main. It's just a big old sex song, basically. Yeah. He, I can't, I don't have the genius quote written down, so I may be a bit wrong. I think it says he wrote it in Canada. Um, he wrote it on a mountain in Canada. Yeah, yeah. I it's something. I like, don't didn't read say the bits, start, but you can like, like see the first bit. Yeah, he said something like he was just stomping around and the beat like came to him, and that's <laughs> how it happened. That's beautiful. I love that. Also, in the interviews of this album, like it seems like he's taken a lot more of the songwriting duties. Like yeah. he talks a lot about the germs of the songs that are coming from him. But there's one line here that led me down a bit of a wonderful rabbit hole. He said this. The first line, I honestly don't know what it means. Maybe you guys do. Is it everybody getting cash for the bung? Everybody wants to know how I'm hung. That's the same line that I made note of you. <laughs> and it made me think, how is he hung? I mean... So I did some research, uh, which prompted me to find quite possibly the greatest newspaper headline of all time. Robbie <laughs> Williams, my penis is quite small. <laughs> which was published in 2015, and so we can actually get your know, certification as to how he's hung. He told the Sun on Sunday newspaper, I've always said to past girlfriends, it's not a small one, I've got massive thighs and it's an optical illusion. It's not though, it really is quite small. <laughs> so I had an extra inch and a half, I'd be a naturist, but I haven't, so I'm not. Which, like, I, I just love that, we just have full on confirmation. I, I, I've got massive thighs and it's an optical illusion. <laughs> in the CGI videos he gave himself a pretty big dick though like yeah he's, he's properly CGI yeah. Robbie is packing yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> I just love that's a headline that exists there is also in the genius caption for this lyric it um, talks about how he answers the question everybody wants to know how I'm sung in a later song so I don't maybe oh. spoiling a bit but there is apparently a song where he references be, being hung like a dolphin. And dolphins apparently have very tiny penises. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, I can't wait till we yeah. finally get to hear that. Do you know what track it is? I don't know, no. I just, no, so I didn't make one day we're going to be listening to the album and he is going to say that and we're going to be like, brilliant. You know, speaking of like little glances down the future, I realised something about Rock DJ that I think is like noble to know. Imagine, if you will, two brothers. One of them walks around the world. One of them goes to the shops, carries out his duties. One of them is locked in the attic. It gurgles and spits and speaks only in ancient Sumerian curses, and its limbs are twisted, and it nobody likes it. Later on, we will encounter that brother. Later on, we will encounter that brother. Uh, okay. All right. Yep. Okay. Are we doing by all means necessary? Uh oh. I... Yeah. So I think this is another incredible track. Yeah. I yeah, love like this it. one. The yeah. piano in this song is so good. Like. It... It's, it's brilliant. It like, reminds me a lot of Pulp, actually, in terms of everything about yeah. it. Yeah. Maybe a weird take. I think this is a better Bond song than Millennium is. Yo, actually, obviously some of the lyrics like Shagging Man Street Preachers wouldn't fit in. Mm. But I think if there was a Bond movie called By All Means Necessary, like this song could conceivably. With some lyrics we write. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the instrumentation, 100% yeah. Bondy. Mm. Yeah. I agree completely with that. And it speaks to what I was saying about lyricism being improved. You know, this is a way better storytelling than he's ever done before I think I it, it just yeah it just it picked it paints a character he actually described this character he said like 
It's about this girl, this boy, who finds it necessary to go to every party in town, sleep with every pop star, drink a lot, get into trouble, and be vulnerable. And, um, pretty much sounds like me in a skirt! So, yeah, yeah. This just every time you say something, I'm like, this is gonna end normally, and it doesn't. Every fucking time. <laughs> There's also, um, something I noticed about it that, like, really stuck out to me. is in his opening track, it talks about canned applause. But the way he says applause sounds like when Limmy does an American accent. Mm. Applause. <laughs> like, it, it just, there's something about it that really stuck out to me. But I think the, the chorus bit was like, by any means necessary, you. Yeah. Like that, that, ooh, that's lovely. Yeah, exactly. Melly on the it's very Bond. Mm, yeah. yeah. Good. Uh, Road final to Mandalay. track on the album then, Road to Mandalay. Good. Yeah. 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 Again, decent tunes. Nice. It was written in France, and Robbie says it's a French kind of melody with French vibes, apparently. Is it based anywhere on the poem? Um, well, well, so Mandalay is a poem by Rudyard Kipling, but yeah. that poem is then being sung by Frank Sinatra. Yeah. And obviously Robbie loves Frank Sinatra, Sinatra so I would imagine that's where the influence comes in. I can't be 100% sure. It, it was actually um, a Frank Sinatra song. It wasn't an adaptation of a poem. It had a similar title. It was called On the Road to Mandalay. It's an yeah. incredibly similar title. Yeah, which it's... it's it's not an adaptation of, but it's like an inspiration. It's quoting it in the yeah. chorus. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah. But it's a sample of a poem, is what it is. Pretty much, yeah. 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 And we'll, God, we will come back to samples oh, of poems. <laughs> but um, I, I think this, I think the, the bum bum bum, yeah. that was really unexpected. And I think that works. Like, I've never yeah. heard Robbie do something like that. He also has a line, the line about beat me up on the beach is great. I actually really like it. He, he yeah. like said that was like one of the first things that came to him, and he also said it's his proudest song on the album. It's his favorite one. Fair enough, it's good for him. But um, um, have you got anything else? We should do the video about it. Well, so it is. It is released as a single alongside Eternity. Yeah. I think it's another double A side, maybe, uh, which is in July two thousand one, and they become Robbie's fourth number one single. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's a. I did not expect that to do so well. It was mainly off the strength of Eternity. Off, the, off the strength of Eternity, yeah, yeah. which yeah, I think is a better song. Mm. But um, the video for this, I feel it's kind of wrong. Doesn't yeah. work. I don't like how this one is directed. I think there's kind of too much movement in it. Yeah. Like it feels like the camera is always moving. And it's just it makes it feel very uh, awkward. I do like that it's a heist though. I didn't yeah. expect it to be a heist. I just thought he was going to be going on a holiday. It's it's weird. And then obviously I watched the Eternity video, and which is a, a sequel. sequel. Yeah, direct sequel. I, I I did not expect that. I was very. I just thought they were repurposing footage because they were too lazy. But nah, no. it's like, it's 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 weird. It's like for Mandalay specifically though that video, I, I feel like Mandalay is such a almost like restrained song. It feels just, it's just a one man affair. Yeah, I mean there's like a great backing vocals towards the end, but to have it be an action packed heist thing just feels like so strange. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's way more minimalist. We than spoke that. about it last week as well. How like he has some real football hooligan vibes, and he's dressed like an extra from Green Street. In yes. This. Like it, the video begins and it looks like he's going on a lads holiday instead yeah. of planning a <laughs> yeah. 100% that's why I was so fucking confused when it turned into a heist yeah. I was like what is going on uh, yeah it's, it's yeah. Um, I guess we'll have to talk about the Eternity video when we talk about Eternity um, I guess we can talk briefly about Selma Hyore should we even bother is no. it even worth pronouncing I didn't listen to it you didn't no, I listened honestly, to the, quite good. It took me a while to realize. I listened better, to the man. opening line. I was like, I don't, I don't understand Spanish, mate. Oh, you're not Jimothy Lacoste. Is it Spanish or Portuguese? He's singing it. What is Spanish? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. There's also a French version of Supreme. Mm. Yes, Supreme, I guess you would say. I found also there's a Latin American version of Angels. 
too. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Which yeah. they were all done phonetically. He doesn't know those languages. Yeah, yeah. Just he just did it so yeah. like yeah. a line at a time. I, I definitely do. He's like the easy E of Spanish. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the funny thing about the French version of Supreme is um, it has one English verse in it. Oh. It's is just it one the... verse. Is like The third verse is just sung in English still. Wait, is it the northern bit? How no, is it? Oh, God, imagine like French in like, get your back up. Uh, yeah, no, it is. It's that bit. Okay, okay. The bit where he sings about screaming out of back or whatever, like yeah. back screaming. Yeah, he sings that in English. I, I don't think I, I don't know how you could do it in French. You can't do an all an accent in French. You get arrested. <laughs> uh, I think now we have to talk about the every Robbie album. Yeah, has had a hidden track. Yeah. So, um, yeah, hidden track. I was told to listen to it by you two, um, and I was listening to the album, and I just have to message like, I can't find it because I. If I don't hear it, I skip to the next minute, and then if I get a little bit too far, I just go back. But no, it really just baits us, doesn't he, for 25 <laughs> minutes or whatever it is, and then he goes, I'm not doing them on this album. That's that actually it. So much that is, I think it's a great bit, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good bit, but not when he gets me with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not happy about that. He's fully done me in. So. I love it. There's a little answer machine thing. Like, It's just... like it. Honestly, Loki, in a way, I think it's one of the best hidden tracks of all time. Just the concept. It's smart. Yeah, no, it's I agree. Good. It's good. Completely, especially because, like, like, you know, like, you're talking about, like, you listen to CDs in the car, right? Oh, you, leaving yeah. them on. Yeah, 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 you just let it, let it play and you get through all this silence and you're waiting for the bonus track because you know it's coming. But you can't really fast forward because you're in a car, so you're just willing to wait. And then it just it just goes, no, I'm not doing it on this album. <laughs> and I'd, I'd fucking be punching my steering wheel. Oh, that explains why... That explains so much, actually. Wait, yeah, no, no, because... I'm trying to think because all of his albums look like they're longer than they appear. All his albums look yeah, that's like they're longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always like a 20 minute gap. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's oh. why. No, that makes a lot of sense. Actually. Yeah. Um, I guess we can talk about Eternity. Yeah. So obviously not on the album. Releases a single 9th of July 2001. So almost a year after the album comes out. Yeah. Uh, it's decent, I think. Pretty good. Yeah. Album. yeah. yeah. It's weird. That it's a two-part music video. I didn't really see that. Yeah. It, the song itself is about Jerry Hallowell, who um, we know for sure was close friends with Robbie. There was rumoured dating. Uh, I think we could take this point to talk about Robbie's kind of romantic relationship with the Spice Girls because it is quite interesting. Oh, I didn't know he was... Um, he did claim at one point on stage that he had slept with four out of five Spice Girls. I can guarantee. I know which one um, he didn't sleep with. And this one, the, it caused some outrage when he said this. Like people weren't happy. This was more recent when he said this. It wasn't at the time of the album. Um, it's a tricky thing with Robbie because he has that kind of demeanor where you can never tell if he's telling a joke in interviews. Yeah. Like if he's being serious or not. So when he apologizes, he clarifies it was only a joke, and then suggests it was actually only three he slept with instead. <laughs> which is fucking great. Um, yeah, uh, and more on the Jerry Hallowell thing, even though kind of I think they tried to maintain their only friends, there is a Parkinson, Parkinson interview, another one from when this album came out, uh, where he says they're good friends who shag occasionally. So we got one of the Spice Girls. Yeah, I think it's sure. like I think it's Jerry Hallowell and, and the two Mel's would be the three if he's telling the truth. Yeah, I, I, mean, I can tell you there's one of them that definitely went nowhere near him. I, I can't believe that like he's just so candid like that. Yeah. You, you just wouldn't get that nowadays. Yeah. I think that's... When we talk about like Robbie's strangeness, I think that's the whole thing that we're talking about here. 
you just wouldn't get people saying that. You wouldn't mm-hmm. get somebody who's such a big no. pop star t- like talking about shagging other big pop stars. I've slept with away. four out of five in One Direction. Like, just, no one would ever say that. Apart no, from the male boy band, but. Yeah. I can't think of the funniest person who it would be to say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I feel like that's Sing completed, really. I Anyone guess. Got yeah. more comments about it? Uh, I can talk about the response to the album if we're done talking yeah, about the actual yeah. album itself. So, like I say, releases end of August 2000, debuts at number one in charts, two times platinum in the first week of release. I think eventually gets to eight times platinum. Um, it is the best selling album of 2000 in the UK and the 56th best selling album of all time in the UK. Wow. I, coming into this, I didn't realise he was this big. Mm. Like, I, I knew he was successful. But I didn't realise he'd had this much success. When you look at interviews from around the time, like people are talking like even, you know, though he's not made it in America, they talk about him like as somebody, you know, you're somebody with potential to become one of the biggest pop stars in the world. Like that was the, the hype around Yeah, him. I think maybe that's why I don't have that in my head because he didn't become world famous. Mm-hmm. But like here, like he's like our number one guy, isn't he really? He's, like, this album is just, to me, it feels like one of those albums that's always really nice to hear from a pop star. It feels like, they recognise that, okay, I'm at the top of the game now, the world's in my hand, I'm going to just be confident and just put it out there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it does pretty well critically as well. Uh, although this is the point where Enemy starts to turn on him. He only gets 5 out of 10 from there. Which is just, I guess, like, because the whole anti-pop thing around that time, they're very mm-hmm. raucist. Like, when he was trying to be Oasis, it was like, oh, cool, but now it's like, you know, we're off DJ, it's like, Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, so, I obviously, I always talk about the tours that he goes on and there is a lot to get through for touring but so first I'll just talk about a couple of things that happened during this album cycle in 2001 he collaborates with Queen to record We Are The Champions for the soundtrack to A Knight's Tale the Heath Ledger movie ain't that guy like dead? Uh, the remaining members of Queen he collaborates with obviously oh. yes <laughs> wait is Freddie Mercury dead? that guy <laughs> didn't he nah I thought he played him in the film though. I thought it was him I thought he's in Mr. Robot right? Yeah, he's good at that. He uh, loves his mom. I'm sorry. And sorry. then, <laughs> in two th- also in 2001, we have another movie soundtrack thing where he records a cover of Have You Met Miss Jones for Bridget Jones' Diary, okay. which is obviously a song on Swing When You're Winning, and it's kind of what leads to that, but we'll get okay. more onto that uh, later. So for the touring, he does... The first tour is 32 shows in Europe, uh, end of 2000 to beginning of 2001. It's called The Sermon on the Mount Tour. Uh... Interest. I couldn't find much on this, like to verify it. Apparently, the first leg of shows in the UK were all with Kylie, which oh. is interesting considering what we talked about with him being intimidated by her. Mm. Like I said, I only saw mentions of it on some websites, so I can't verify if that's true or not. But that's so weird, especially because only one song. Yeah. Like it's so weird. They like, perform together. If you have a if you have a feature on a song, like normally you just accept that will be in the live performance. Mm-hmm. That's so strange. Uh. There is also a tour called Wedding Wedding Bar Mitzvahs in Stadiums, which is June to August 2001. It's more UK and Europe shows. I really like that name. And then, What's it called? Wedding Bar Mitzvahs. Wedding Bar Mitzvahs in Stadiums. Wedding Bar Mitzvahs I really like that. That's and good. then there's the Sing When You're Pacific Rimming tour, which is <gasps> in October. <laughs> <laughs> and it's his first time visiting Asia, Australia, and New Zealand. <laughs> No way. So the interesting thing about the first tour I spoke about, the Sermon on the Mount tour, is that it was the subject of a feature-length documentary called Nobody Someday. It's 90 minutes, released in 2001. I watched this whole documentary for preparation, 
it is very, very interesting. Um, because with these types of documentaries, you always get like description. It's a candid look into the artist's life. This isn't so much candid as it is like overwhelmingly depressing and negative. Robbie hates his life at this point, which is very, very interesting. He's experiencing massive burnout. He hates touring. He outright says like he gets no pleasure from it. Like he's going on stage in a kind of. He describes it as being like a kind of uh, Tourette's thing that kicks in for him. Like he just becomes the entertainer on stage, but he doesn't actually have any fun doing it. Yeah. This also coincides with him attempting to get sober. So he's trying to leave behind drinking alcohol at this point. So that's probably adding to the mood. Um, but you, you get the impression this was like a real personal struggle period at this point. He talks about how he hates performing the songs. He specifically calls out Let Me Entertain You. says it's boring at this point. He's bored of it. And this is only like three years into his career. Like, Uh-oh. yeah, he says he's bored of Let there Me Entertain You. There are some alarm bells ringing there. He says, Oh, Before I Die is crap. He says, Strong is crap. And the, the chorus for it is terrible, which he's kind of right on. Uh, <laughs> there's also, he talks about She's the One. And we need to issue a correction here. Because last week when we spoke about She's the One, uh, we said how he didn't acknowledge it was his song for years until last year, actually, 2019. In this documentary, he does actually say She's the One, It's Not the One, Not My Song. Okay. So we did clarify it shortly after release. Obviously, it's a documentary, so it didn't go particularly yeah, far. Yeah, it was like one sentence. Like... Yeah. Um, it's not so much a clarification as more he said it once offhandedly and yeah. someone happened to catch I, on the camera. And I still don't think he's ever credited Carl Wanger. Yeah. But yeah, but whatever, so we'll let him have it. This documentary, for the first um, 30 minutes, is basically like a miserableist portrait of a pop star trapped in never-ending hell. Okay. Like, it, he really is just doesn't like what he's doing. Mm. 30 minutes in, he gets one show where he, it, like, switches. He gets a good crowd and he's like, yeah, I love that. I enjoyed it. So, you... I think probably like the attempt to sobriety was maybe causing mood swings. Yeah. Like I don't think he really hates performing all that much. He was just in a especially. Um, he's in a, bad he's in a bad mental place. Yeah. Yeah. He. You get the impression he's kind of very self-hating at this point as well. Um, he talks about it. He thinks he's kind of so selfish and concerned with himself that he sets these absurdly high standards, and because he can't meet these absurdly high standards, at least to him like in a cycle of self-hatred yeah um there's a scene late in the documentary where he's performing on stage someone gets past security rushes on and pushes him off he falls off into the crowd wow is he all right from it um yeah he's fine he just like bruises his knee uh bring up liam again he remarks that he may have offended him with his liamisms is what he gives us the potential reasoning um but the response to it is actually very endearing as soon as the show ends, he's like walking through the corridors and he says, right, everybody into this room. And for a second, kind of, we're like, oh, is he about to go off on everybody? Like, like, how, say, this, how happen? this happen? No, he actually comes in and immediately says, like, it's okay. Like, these things happen. I'm fine. It could have been worse, but I'm okay. I don't want you to, like, bring the energy down or beat yourself up for it. You know, it's okay. Yeah. Let's just move forward. Um, there is also a scene after that where he kind of breaks down and gets teary-eyed, starts crying and talking about how stuff like that really scares him. Like, he doesn't want I'm stuff like that. I'm sad hearing about that. Yeah, because if that guy had a knife, like, he's, yeah, he's yeah stacked. it's just yeah. done. Um, eventually, you know, they keep touring. The end of the documentary kind of sees him get to a better place, admitting he's kind of failed to see the good things about touring. He's more happy with it now. And he actually doesn't really want it to end. So I don't know kind of how much of that narrative is, uh, like, created for the documentary, just so it would have a nice through line. 
But it seems like for a certain period during this album cycle, he was very, very depressed and didn't enjoy being a pop star Which at all. It's really weird because it really like juxtaposes what we spoke about throughout the album and mm-hmm. we feel like he's really starting to yeah. nail it. Yeah. Whereas he himself feels like he's really starting to fall mm-hmm. apart. This is his, like, I, I wouldn't necessarily say happiest, but it's, it's his album that's the least full of negative emotions. Yeah, it? yeah. Like, I feel like it sounds like someone who's being more complete, but it sounds like from how he was, it's someone who's falling apart. Yeah, and that's yeah. such a shame. That sounds like a really good documentary. It is actually a really good watch, yeah. Yeah. Like I say, it's only 90 minutes, it's on YouTube in full. So, yeah. Nobody's Sunday, it's called. But you can all watch it, there's nothing. Yeah, no, there's no, nothing spoilers. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. And yeah, also all the documentaries we talk about where like the behind the scenes of like Rock DJ, they're all on YouTube and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's it for this album. Like I so, he releases um, the Bridget D- Jones Diary song, which uh, is fairly successful, and it's from that that kind of comes the opportunity for him to pursue doing a whole swing album, which leads to Swing When You're Winning, which is mostly covers, there's one original song on it, and he records it in a two-week break from touring. And wow, it, two weeks? Yes, it releases 19th November 2001. Should we talk about ratings and stuff? Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, should we do ratings for Sing? Yeah. By the way, just before we go there, calling your swing album Swing While You're Winning after Sing While You're Winning is fucking great. Yeah. I'm a big fan Very of it. Very good. But yeah, I guess we'll, we'll get to Swing another time. There's a lot of interesting stuff there as well. <sighs> Rating on this, honestly, like, I don't know if I'm making too big of it. I'm thinking an eight, honestly. I was going four out of five, so yeah, eight. Yeah, I was going eight as well. Yeah, I guess we're all pretty unanimous there. It's, yeah. it's, it's a it's a good album. Yeah, it's the best one we've heard so far. Yeah. 100%. I have big fears that it's, we're not going to get any better musically. I have we'll I have see. a feeling that the podcast is going to have more content, <laughs> but I have a feeling that we're not going to improve musically past this point. I also had those fears, but I will say I've dipped quite far ahead a bit to albums that I expected to be terrible and there have been some surprisingly great stuff. Really? Then, yeah. Okay, well, I mean, that's, that's positive because mm-hmm. it's such like, a depressing thought that I, I have to experience all of it still. I do. I just don't expect. You know, I expected an early peak. But if you're saying there's some good stuff that have come, mm. that's that's good to hear. This album though does feel incredibly consistent. Mm. There yeah. is even like the stuff like Love Calling Earth. I don't think is very memorable, but it's not a negative. It's the worst. Boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's the previous albums have stuff that is bad, but this is at worst boring. It, it just it, there's so much of it that like to me it feels like side A is nothing but bangers. And side B is really solid album cuts. Yeah, it just—it's really good. It's like a solidly good album. And I yeah. honestly didn't expect going into this that we'd come out with like an album that, like I—I've been re-listening to a lot of this recreationally. Like it's yeah. an album I could listen to the whole way through because I feel like yeah, it's yeah, just, good. It, you're always getting something interesting, you know. I agree. I agree. It's—it's it's been surprising. I—I I expected to come for the crazy shit he says in interviews, but I am staying a little bit for some more of the music than I expected. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, well, that's our thoughts on Sing When You're Winning. Uh, Next time you can join us down the Robbie Hole for his next album, the 2001 Swing Covers album, Swing When You're Winning. I've been Matthew. I've been Nathan. I've been Jonathan. Thanks very much. See ya. Bye.